If you were watching closely, there was a clue. Got the million dollar check written already. I mean, I'm, I'm the winner. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried. The girls are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can and then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only supposed to get three. So I'm either gonna win or I'm gonna die trying. Welcome to The Winner's Edit, a survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. Of course, of course, of course, of course, of course, it's Dan. Hey, what's up? <laughs> and here we are discussing episode nine of Survivor, Winners at War. In this case, war is not pretty. Said by the man, Jeff Probst. Yeah, clear winner of the season. Joe, I'm so sad. It's been very clear, <laughs> I think, through this show that I am a lover of what they did with Adam Clyde in this season. This episode was no um, exception to that rule. Adam really, I think, elevated this season, was the best character. Ben, I mean, actually kind of, I think, has officially matched him in terms of entertainment quality for me. But, like, I'm so sad to see him go. I was so hoping. I really didn't think that thing would be an idol because I don't think production is good enough to realize that it should have been an idol. But Mm -hmm. I was like, please, just any chance it happens because Adam has been firing on all cylinders of entertainment value. So I'm devastated. Yeah. I mean, it's weird to think on a season of all winners that you could have like a breakout character, but it's so clearly Adam. Like, I think the internet just in general is more in love with Adam as a character after this season because we saw a legitimately like fun, weird side of him where he was a like big character on this season, which I think we're going to talk about is sort of struggling to find big, like the characters they usually have. So yeah, I wish it was a idol too, because one that's super clever. I feel like this tribal council setup is just like begging for all these like weird different things to have like idol power. And like, why was it so wiggly if it wasn't an idol? Like, why are there carpenters so, like, bad at attaching this thing on there that it isn't just, like, glued on, but it's, like, a little wiggly? Like, I don't know. I was very disappointed as well. Yeah, that was the ultimate blindside, right? Like, I went in, and I'm talking to my girlfriend. We're watching the show, and I'm like, okay, it's not going to work because Adam's whole story has been, like, him failing to put in the torch, him weirdly screwing off the voting urn like it's so obviously gonna fail to me from minute one of this expedition until the moment when he grabs it wiggles it and it's like clearly moving i'm like okay at that point you should just honor it like what (laughs) even if it's not an idol it is now because you poorly constructed this urn and i was like oh man he must just not have whatever key you need to get it apparently (laughs) right (laughs) like uh man i don't know and i I feel like he'll i feel like people said he was gonna get a lot of hate but I feel like most people probably correctly identified. He, absolutely, he should have tried. Like, there's no... If you're getting voted yeah. out, you might as well just ask if everything's an idol. Like, be like, hey, Jeff, can I go run back to camp quick and dig literally everything? Right. This time? Like, do anything you can. Like, that's, that's acceptable and good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the most, like, transparent, like, Adam is going home, like, pre-vote sections that I think we've ever seen. Like, yeah, it was literally the dramatic um, sort of tension of the episode hung on whether this little fleur de lis could come from, could come off the podium. 
or didn't come off the podium and maybe it was just an idol that you had to uh acknowledge yeah so and that's the other thing is like to me it was i think this is actually a brilliant touch by the editors like this is a clever thing the way adam was describing the fleur-de-lis to michelle still came off like low-key kind of condescending and like pretentious <laughs> which was it's pretty much been his character right like they they managed to have him say it like four or five times in like a quick little 30 second um snippet to the point right. where you're like oh my god just stop saying it like it's a, it's a weird word quit it like and he, <laughs> like you have to say it with like a little bit of an accent so it's i feel like that was an intentional um accent point to make us more willing to like excited to see Adam's departure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was like, it was just a weird thing. Cause I had forgot that happened. And then I rewatched and I was like, Oh, you told Michelle, why didn't Michelle like try it? Like, come on, Michelle. But also it was, yeah, sort of in the heat of the moment after he didn't go home, he was sort of comforting Michelle and then spilled a little too much probably. Yeah. I mean, you'd think since this is the most chaotic tribal in survivor history, that Michelle would go check too, right? Since this right. is the most chaotic tribal in Survivor history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just, yeah, I think we always try to have general thoughts at the head of the episode, and my, like, big one is, like, was there chaos, though? I, I kind of have this theory that Survivor, after having so many seasons with, like, one live tribal, if not multiple... They're sort of testing the waters and like, does the audience want more of these? Do they want a bunch of these? Like what works? And I actually think for this season, this might be the best one they had. So they really had to make it count, which there was a lot of whispering going on, which I think we've been pretty clear on how we feel about live tribals. Not the greatest things for Survivor. Um, But I don't think it was as chaotic as the episode presented it. I think we got pretty much what Kim said right at the beginning of the post-immunity challenge sort of section. Like, it wasn't Nick, but it was Adam, one of the hyenas. So, and it was a pretty lopsided vote split, maybe strategically, maybe not, I don't know. But I think they tried to make this way more chaotic than it was with sort of Adam's weird confessional where he's just talking about Ben, I think, like going off about Ben yep attacking him and then all of a sudden he's like and then everything went crazy and it's a very weird cut and we see everything purportedly go crazy where everyone is just talking plans to one another um very fast and a flurry of all sorts of things so they want to sell that and then they have denise in her voting confessional like craziest day ever when she's just voting Adam, I think, or maybe Nick. I don't know. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think they just wanted to build this as super chaotic and wild when I don't think it was. You also have Nick's sort of story as being like, this isn't a war at all. This is boring. And then everything yeah. bursts and Nick is Nick is appeased. He has had the sufficient amount of chaos to almost send him home, apparently. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I 100% endorse everything you said. And to me, I do want to say quick call attention to how masterful and fun that scene between Ben and Adam was. It was so good. And I think was really probably the decision-making moment happening. Like, I think Ben probably had Adam's back before that. And that was sort of his test. He was like, does Adam have my back or not? I'm going to go to him and find out. And Adam completely bungled it. And then I think from then on, it was probably always going to be Adam. Mm -hmm. But they did 
you're right. They do like a weird cross dissolve with Adam being like, and then chaos started. And I think if you like on, on second watch, especially it was way more apparent. Pretty much the only time any name other than Adam or Nick was said was if Adam, Nick, or Michelle was in the frame. Every other time, it's like Kim saying, definitely not Sarah, right? Um, mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Like, I think this was probably always between Nick, Michelle, and Adam, and with very little chaos. Maybe there was chaos in terms of which one's going to get what amount of votes. Right. But I don't think that translates into how they showed it. Like, I don't think Tyson or Sarah were really in any danger or anything approaching danger. And instead, you're right. I think, because you're right, the last, like, five seasons have had, like, one of these kind of tribals. The Dr. Mike one where he throws the advantage in the fire, the Julia from Edge of Extinction tribal, um, every, uh, the John Hennigan, uh, Johnny Nitro, Boot, and David vs. Goliath. Like, they've had these almost every season recently. And this felt kind of like trying to fit that into this when really yeah they kind of whispered around a little bit and i think in this tribal to me exemplified everything that we've been saying for i guess a couple years now about why live like the quote-unquote live tribals are less interesting than just like a tribal where they force them to talk because adam and ben yelling at each other at tribal like out loud was way more interesting than all the whispering Mm -hmm. because that's what tribal's supposed to be it's supposed to be you're airing out your stuff publicly because you can only talk publicly. So you're forced to be a little bit more direct. Right. And instead we get a bunch of people whispering and then an actual exciting tribal, but the whispering's making it harder to understand the actual conflict. Also, the impression I got from the whispering was that it was just everyone reaffirming that they were voting Adam. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day, I don't think anything significant was happening in those whispers. Yeah. So, and also like, I think what we saw, like, even with Jeremy being like, what's happening? <laughs> that was with Michelle and Nick and Adam. Well, one of them there. Like, that's, yeah. there's so much theater in this episode, which is what you should do to the minority. Like, if Jeremy's story is, hey, to Nick, right? Like, because Survivor ultimately is a game where each player has a narrative with every other player. That they want that player to believe. Right. If Jeremy wants Nick, because he knows Nick's staying, to believe that Jeremy has his back, he wants to pretend that he's listening to his plan, but ultimately someone else shuts it down or whatever to mm-hmm. take out Tyson or Sarah or something. So yeah, we see Jeremy having to, like, someone comes up to him. I think it's Tony comes up to him and says, so are we doing Tyson? And Jeremy's like, wait, what? Um, Because he's in that moment having to pretend to be voting out Tyson or the minorities or the or everybody's just gonna coalesce on nick but then when tony or whoever brings a third story jeremy has no other option in that moment but to be like chaos but in reality it's well he's lying to nick and tony's confused and didn't realize that that um dichotomy and how information's spreading right yeah i will say this isn't an episode i'm too hot on but in little moments, there are these amazing sort the interactions you see, I think, are some good examples of both good and bad sort of the theater of Survivor, where you get people, I think both Adam and Ben to each other in their forest scene were not like good actors towards one another on a strategic level. And then you have like that good moment from Jeremy, if that's what it was, which I think it was. There's a moment at Tribal where Adam says he doesn't feel good to Sophie. And Sophie is just like, you're fine. And it's like, obviously really like 
expert level survivor because she's going to vote him out. But yeah, I think if you pick through a lot of the moments here, there's some interesting interactions. The Ben yeah. Tony one where Ben just comes to Tony and is like, Adam said you might be saying me and Sarah were close. And Tony's like, no. It's just Yeah, and the way that the other thing, that one specifically, the Ben and Tony one, t- to me, I tell me if you agree, they were so obviously laughing at Adam, right? Like that was the the tone of that was listen to this crazy thing Adam told me. That's obviously not true. Right. It was clear that they at least think they have a mutual rapport that they can freely converse with one another and know they have a sense of trust, which is not what you saw in Ben and Adam's conversation. I'm going to vehemently disagree with that, actually. I think, and maybe, I I haven't heard anyone else really offer this uh, thought process. I think Ben was giving Adam his last chance. I I think, to go on what you said earlier, I think Ben was Adam's last chance, and Adam blew it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I think, yeah, you're right in what you said initially. I think Ben was sort of wanting Adam to be truthful with him, and then... Adam really flubbed it there. Like, love Adam's character, but not the best play. Oh, yeah, no, I think this episode, and that's another thing I kind of want to touch But first, I'll uh, touch on that is that, yeah, I think over this season, we've seen over and over again, Ben have Adam's back when Adam doesn't have Ben's, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, Ben's the big reason that Adam doesn't go home on Cell A, right? Like, Ben is really always had this guy's back. And I think Ben went to him in a moment of like, Adam, are you serious? Like after all I've done for you, you're not going to tell me if you just tell me I will do what I can to get it on Nick instead. I don't think Ben was going to do some crazy move to vote out Tony or something. Right. I think he was instead being like, well, I'll use my social capital to take out Nick or Michelle instead of you. If you'll just be honest with me. Mm-hmm. And Adam was not. And so Ben was okay with Adam going. Right. And I assume he voted Nick. I assume he was one of the Nick votes, but... Mm, I think he was an Adam vote. Oh, okay. Well, still, I I feel like he was consensual to the Adam vote regardless. Like, sure. Whichever yeah. way he voted, and I think it was from that moment, and I think that's where we see Adam lose. Um, But I do also, uh, go, jumping off that point, like, we saw this episode, no one wanted to talk to Adam at all, right? Like, when Adam walks up to them at Tribal, they're all just like, oh, like, please go away. Like, like we're exhausted by you. Mm-hmm. And you saw that on their face, their body language. When Tony berates him at Tribal, when Ben berates him at Tribal, like the fact that they're not scared to do that is a sign of like how on the bottom Adam really was. Like he was, I feel like beyond like Nick and Michelle, I feel like are in a different like stratosphere than Adam's connections here. Where it seems like no one likes him. No one really wants to work with him. They kind of see him as a joke. And they're annoyed by him. I think that's what I read more than anything in this episode. Was how annoyed everybody was with Adam. Mm -hmm. I think we sort of touched on it last week. Where, yeah, there was this group on the bottom. But the first group was Michelle, Nick, and Wendell. Who are just like a Sele minority. Whereas Adam was someone people just legitimately couldn't trust. And I at least sort of theorized that that was so far down that it was almost a positive for Adam, that it could be like his Nora that takes him to the end. Obviously that didn't pan out and that's, that's a big thing to discuss, but yeah, I would agree that they were on two separate tiers. Yeah. And I do think the thing about survivor is that the Nora, the, I think honestly, you're right. I think your read of Adam as Nora in this role is pretty right. Like Adam's probably a little I mean, he's a lot better at the game, but relative to the other players, 
right seem to be in that position mm-hmm. i think it is that it's just like nora was in danger around this time in island of the idols it just she got over that threshold and then once you pass a certain threshold that that person never goes home mm-hmm. but like this early merge part is actually really dangerous for that goat player because they have no connections and this seemed to be just a majority agreeing like it was like eight people being like yeah. okay we're just getting rid of adam or nick or whoever like i don't care we're, we're living <laughs> like mm-hmm. yep I think when it is a lot of uh, disparate interests trying to come together for one vote, so it's not not chaos. That's yeah. why that's where your goats can go in the early merge. Yeah, because I think one thing that's really interesting and divergent from other seasons of Survivor is the complete lack of solid alliances that have been named or even connected like you can kind of bridge the gap of like okay well sarah and tony are close and we know sarah and sophie are close so they're sophie and tony are probably close but you can't really we haven't really seen a group of people really connect other than that ben tony tyson group i guess last mm-hmm. week but like there really isn't a like even uh ghost island like you have the navidi girls versus dom and wendell's puppets versus uh malolo and like original malolo who doesn't realize uh donathan and laurel have left them that was your factions you don't really have factions here other than nick and michelle and loosely adam and then everybody else right it's really even it's making you piece together who's close or like who's actually close because you get one scene of denise and kim seemingly having a really like close conversation about the boot and then like in the next one kim and tyson are together and kim is like disagreeing with what she just said to denise so i think it's really making you work for what the actual relationships are and part of that might be all these people are better players than just like blindly following a group but Mm -hmm. i also think a lot of this is they're showing us way more of those fake conversations than they do in a lot of seasons yeah oh i think that's probably more what it is Mm -hmm. like yeah like Kim and Denise had a totally fake convo that they aired on TV that was immediately refuted. Like, yeah, I think you take that as Kim and Denise are not actually that close. Or maybe that's a, a, a third way to view it is they are close in terms of the game, as in Denise believes she's with Kim, but Kim is not actually with Denise. It's an asymmetrical relationship. Mm-hmm. It's one thing you can glean from it. So I do kind of appreciate that they do. They did just show all of it. Like it was kind of incoherent, but you do read like, okay, well, Kim, like Denise probably trusts Kim more than Kim trusts Denise. Cool. Yeah. I think maybe the biggest issue that editors had with trying to adapt this episode was, I mean, Denise blatantly says at Tribal, everyone is saying yes to every plan. So it's hard to figure out what the actual plan is. Yeah. And we saw a lot of that where everyone is throwing out plans and everyone is agreeing to those plans. So it is it is chaos in that matter, even if it did boil down to just a simple Adam vote. Yeah, and I do think that a lot of this is kind of... We, I think you reading the subtext, it's probably a lot of people playing scared. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. I feel like most of these majority members are people just being like, oh, it's not me. Or, like, my closest ally specifically, I'm okay with them going then. Like, right. I don't think they're thinking much beyond that. And I think they're really playing on their back foot and just kind of waiting for things to happen. And in some ways, it's like the absence of anything is chaos because there's no plan. People don't know what's happening because no one's 
firmly deciding, but that's because the like collective kind of already knows it's Adam. So in a way it's chaos, but in a way there's nothing more uh, structurally intact than the collective like person, bottom person leaving. Right. So that's, I think my take on the chaos. I think it's a little exaggerated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Just a little bit. Um, But I do think it kind of points to, um, I, this is a point I kind of want to touch on quickly. I think what I've discovered is, I don't know if it's my problem with this season or an observation I've made or something like that, but it's definitely something that's hurt my enjoyment of it on a, on some sort of basis, but I also kind of appreciate it in another way. So I think one problem that they've had in this season is usually in Survivor, you have a cast of 20 people. And you, ca- some of your people are going to be kind of like kooky, like people who have no chance of winning. They they cast these people knowing there's no chance, like a Natalie Cole, Nora, um, people like that. Then you have people who are like the overconfident alpha male, Andrew Savage, um, Jack, for example, like uh, Bradley. You have more, more stretched out characters in all these different archetypes that are not on this season because the Natalie Coles have not won. And the ones who have were not invited on this season. So like Fabio or um, the more kooky winners are just flat out not on this season with the exception of like maybe Tony. But for the most part, these are people that were cast as people who they believed could win on their first season and did win, were pretty capable at the game, thought about the game at least more strategically than the average survivor replacement player. I don't think this is necessarily your god tier strategists i think this is a mix of a lot of people who think rather optimally but you're right. missing all those people like even like the mom who has no chance like that we talk about every season like the julie rosenberg there's none of those on these cat like there's no one uh like that there's you don't have like the will walls who are like the young fresh meat person who doesn't know how to fit in there's a lot of these like archetypes that just are not here and so i think survivor uh production went through this and tried to just kind of make people into those things and in a way that i think it's hurt my enjoyment a little bit because i think the only explanation for example of kim getting buried so early on is them wanting like comedic relief slash um like more people to root against and bad guys in quotation marks for the audience to kind of resent or think don't have a chance when i i think that's kind of i think it might be a misfire that they're trying to make these people who are not those kind the eccentric people into eccentric people by either saying they're bad or annoying or whatever like i think they're going a little like they're trying to fit like a square peg into a round hole of this is what a survivor mm-hmm. season has with comedy and goofy characters that are over the top but i don't think any of these people really other than adam rightfully earned it right yeah i definitely agree with that sort of sentiment it's that i think there are a bunch of things they had to consider when making an all winner season and i think this is one of the harder things to catch because on paper you don't really think like oh it's a huge difference between all winners and all stars but all-Stars has those characters. Like, All-Stars is not just good players. It's the characters that made seasons. Like, that's where you would put your Natalie Coles and your Noras and all these fun characters who didn't win. So, yeah, I think when you have all these winners, I think what it does is it almost makes the sort of gap between the best player and the worst player much, much smaller. Like, if you think back to last season, 
you could ostensibly say the worst-ish player was Nora and the best-ish because he won was Tommy. And like that gap is gigantic um, compared to this season where it's like, I I don't want to name the person we would say as the worst player. Uh, but that person is definitely much closer to the best player um, than yeah. seasons come before. So yeah, I think, I think it was an issue. They, maybe they accounted for it, but they, proceeded in the wrong way i think from it too and i actually think i think i did a little bit of a disservice to this because i think part of it is those wild eccentric characters like nora's right but i think what we're really missing is the people who for lack of a more polite way to put it have no business being out there in the first place so your chris noble uh, chris noble is a bad example because he is so eccentric but libby or something who right probably never had a chance was fun and tried hard but realistically probably had like a one percent chance of winning the game at best and like was a nice person but just wasn't didn't think strategically or whatever like people like that i think are the missing gel here and Mm -hmm. i think that because of that they've been forced to give like kim that kim is that role kim has been given like the chelsea from ghost island edit more or less i mean more content but like she's a player who's there thing it's i think looking at sort of how things have panned out i think there's this like group of denise jeremy and kim where it's like people who've had really bizarre edits that definitely don't add up to a winner's edit and i think it's maybe like they would be your normally like under the radar characters like a libby or something but they're winners so they don't feel like they can do that and i don't think they should so you get like Denise and Kim who have these gigantic gaps where their edit doesn't make sense or I think Jeremy is an interesting case where we sort of questioned why he was getting consistent content I think he was a big character who had like something okay to say every episode so they gave it to him but aren't pushing it past that because they don't have the space yeah it's Jeremy Collins so he has a built-in fan base and Mm -hmm. I really think it's done weird things to this season in a way that's hard to even completely wrap your head around because we've really never seen this we really have never seen a season with all at the very least good players like Heroes vs. Villains has people like Rupert and um I'm trying to think of other good examples like Courtney Yates like she fine she's a good player but she's not in the same like kind of headspace is a lot of these people. Um, like right. your Rupert's your Colby's James Clement. There's nobody on this cast who's even almost in the same archetype as James Clement. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we're getting our gaps. It's like, there's no one who's just like regular person because they, they're all captivating enough to have one. Yep. I think that's, it, it's doing weird things is all I'm saying. I don't, I don't even know if it's a right thing or wrong thing that they've, try to cast this traditional um, net on it because the alternative might just be a bunch of people talking about how optimal they're playing. It's hard to say, but mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting thing that they've done. And honestly, this episode didn't have a huge amount of content. So I did want to um, talk about that point. Well, I think sort of the big thing that's affecting both of us coming out of this episode is we're a little tossed up on who's winning this season. So I think considering stuff like that, sort of, I guess we don't know if we've just been wrong or what's happening, but it sort of is trying to make sense of why the season is this way if we can't get the winner right. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. And yeah, I guess the only other thing I want to get to before we get to stories is darn them for having a reward challenge, but it was pretty fun. I'm not going to lie, like 
I wish they would have just showed the end of the reward challenge, but maybe that's really corny. I don't know. It was a fun well, moment that they had to show. I'm guessing that's why this made air when they've been smart enough to cut the other reward challenges. What do you mean? Like the fortune cookie stuff? Oh, no, I'm <laughs> no, not the fortune cookie stuff. I meant, <laughs> I, meant, I meant Sarah giving up her award. Oh, right. I think this was in the episode because of that moment. Well, I think it has to be there because of Michelle's fortune cookie leading into her buying the 50-50 coin. Oh, yeah, maybe it could be both, too. You know what I mean? Like a um, little, little bit of here, a little bit of there. But like two important things came from it. So they decided to air it. That's probably yeah. honestly like as somebody who hates reward challenges, but understands that they should probably still happen on the beach. This is the right way to do it. Like if you have two interesting things that happen at it, show it. Otherwise, cut it. And they did not waste time in the reward challenge. Like it went fast. It <laughs> like, did. I yeah. couldn't have cared about a single part of it if they wanted me to. Um, yeah like it was honestly at the point of like they might as well not have shown it because it was completely incomprehensible what was happening which is good honestly like clap uh, clap to the editors and production and everything for realizing this is a maybe a good time to do it in the moment i was mad i was like oh my god really it's just edge of extinction reward challenge reward immunity challenge but it it did like actually created one of the biggest character moments of the season with sarah Mm -hmm. yeah and michelle Mm -hmm. and i've seen like I've seen a lot of hate on the reward challenge this week. And I'm like, come on, every other time it's the problem. Like, they always bring it out at the worst times when nothing happens. And they, like, eat pizza and say they like pizza. This is actually (laughs) a good time. Hats off to them for doing it. Mm. So, any other thoughts before we move into the stories? I guess I should ask you how you feel about the 50-50 coin. Oh, uh, Survivor does not need any more randomness. Um, I'm, I don't know. I feel like Survivor already requires so much luck that um i just don't think this is a good advantage at all like i think this is this misses the mark a little bit i think yeah it's just awful like just give her an idol really like it's gonna be so deflating if it lands on like not safe right like (laughs) she has like because she has to play it before votes i believe so she just plays it it lands on not safe and she's like well vote me out i guess (laughs) Yeah, no, right? Like, how lame is that? And that's the one they were like, okay, Edge of Extinctioners, you can choose how much you charge for this. And they were like, let's price gouge Michelle for some peanut butter. I'm honestly dumbfounded at, I, I guess actually before we get to stories, and I kind of want to talk about this during the fiery Fire Token section of the stories, but I think production completely bungled Fire Tokens. At this point, I've double backed. <laughs> This was a mistake because it was so much better seeing them to be able, like, the slight uh, added nuance of Parvati being like, well, should we sell to Michelle because she has the most? Made the season better. Like, made the whole thing better than just, oh, it's one. Right. Why was that not the case from literally moment one? (laughs) Total bungling it. Um, I, mean, I was thinking about it the other day, and this is another thing that I want to bring. Uh, this is from the, a blast from the past. I think Parvati got screwed at a level that is straight up production incompetence screwed over poverty she had the most fire tokens when she left um and they threw an idle nullifier at the swap the like the worst time you could possibly ever put an idle nullifier in the game like i whatever i don't like them anyway but like imagine poverty did have an idol and instead they sold it to yule and under the radar queen saves herself by idling against the majority and gets idle nullified out of the game. Like, I feel like the production decisions of what to put when has been ludicrously bad this season. For sure. Like, stuff like that. Like, I'm thinking back and I'm like, how, like, why then? Like, 
that's the worst time ever. Flashback to the vote block at uh, Island of the Idols swap. Like, stuff like, it's like, oh, we, we're going to get rocks, and instead we got a boring vote out. Like, yeah. th- they really have been terrible with these advantages lately, and that's just something I wanted to call out. Mm-hmm. Like, a 50-50 coin now is not fantastic. <laughs> at a swap, okay. maybe, throw it in. That'd be a good one. Yeah, like, earlier in the game, it's, like, kind of random. Like, might weirdly save someone who doesn't probably deserve to be saved. Yeah. But. Like, and, like, if, like, a swap screw is luck screwing you over. If luck then brings you life, that, whatever, that, I'll accept that. But, yeah, in the merge, it's so weak compared to all the other stuff everyone else has. I don't right. Know. And the, like, weird decision that now they can price stuff, like, talk about inflation, Survivor. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's mm. so bad. So bad. It's so been so poorly handled. It's not even funny. Additionally, the immunity winner getting a fire token is stupid. Um, uh, we got to discuss Kim's master strategy of pretending to forget that she didn't get one. Like, right? oh, I got a fire token. I think she just didn't want it. I think she's like, please <laughs> do not put any more threat on my back, Jeffrey. Right. I do not want this useless token that's done nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll get to that with the fire economy story. Which brings mm-hmm. us to the stories. And so my little rant here about uh, how they've kind of cast the season kind of stems from what we'll get to here. But we're going to start here with what at this point has become so exhausting every single time it comes up on TV that I like roll my eyes is the lion and hyenas theme. They literally never stop talking about it. It's <laughs> all anyone says is lions and hyenas. And I'm so sick of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really like painted the picture like tony was talking about okay us lions have to get out the hyenas like those lower people i've been talking about and so we need to stick together yeah it's just i get it i I don't know they made it clear like a month ago like yeah literally like 30 days ago I felt like the theme was well-developed in, in your face. And now it's, like, eye-roll-inducing. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't like it. Like, it's not a very viewer-friendly theme, I think, for, like, essentially get rid of the underdogs. Like, no one wants to see that, I think. And in winter season, it's a little bit different because a lot of the overdogs are rootable. But, yeah, it's not very viewer-friendly. Yeah, this is uh paganging in another name right like mm-hmm. but yeah. yeah like that's a that's the worst part to me is like tony is literally my favorite winner of all time like i loved him and kagiyan i like was devastated when he got voted in game changers i have that if you like were to interact with me in a one-on-one basis i get compared not like looks wise but like may like i <laughs> i give off the same kind of chaotic energy a little bit of tony maybe not the same level but like I will I say, I, I did get sort of your strategic discussion vibes from when he was discussing the hyenas thing this episode. So very apt. Yeah, I like I, I get that comparison <laughs> a lot. Um, and he's always spoke to me. I can't believe I'm bored with Tony in this season. I'll get to it when we get to him. But like this was an awesome confessional six episodes ago or whatever. Um, <laughs> why does why is this his only thing he can talk about? Um, and. and Everybody talks about it, and and it's always defended and right. Like, that's the other worst part. There's no nuance to this theme at all anymore. Um, really, I think, botched it to me. Um, it's so disappointing. Also, the fact that who is what is so clear is kind of boring, too. Because it's like, oh, so the two boot targets were... Oh, so Tony's group just got it. Okay, got right. their way. Cool. So I think 
And I mean, we'll get to Tony later, who has a lot to be said about. But I'm thinking whether this is wishful or not, that like the way they're hitting this over hitting us over the head with this is setting it up for a fall, like the story itself in some way, or at least to be undermined in some way. I hope so. It just seems so always there, so right all the time. Like, and I mean, obviously, like, what are you going to do when you get down to the eight lions? <laughs> do you make new hyenas or? Right? Couldn't they do something on? But like, don't you think that there's a better version of this where they talk about how, like, you know, well, lions get, if you eat all the hyenas, lions get hungry. And so you don't want to kill all the hy- like. There's no other thought process going on. Yeah, like, and I mean, that's sort of the thing that's missing from other seasons is when we have this big majority picking off a minority, those minority members are being like, look, there's still this many of you. Not all of you can make it to the end. Some of you need to flip. Yeah. And we're not getting that yet. Like, I can't Michelle- believe that freaking uh, Passengers and Pilots, Rick Devon's dang theme is more captivating than a like strategic all-encompassing theme that comes from tony like i cannot believe that it's because it's flipped i guess you know what i mean it's it's the guy in power talking about how he's gonna just keep picking everybody off like Mm -hmm. not that exciting um the other like you're right and i think the other bad thing here is like if you look at everybody who's gotten votes pretty much so the merge they told us that nick wendell adam and michelle or the hyenas. Almost every vote cast since the merge has been on one of those four people. And the only realistic boot target at any point was one of those four people. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I'm honestly dumbfounded that that's how they're telling this. It's I feel like it's a failure of storytelling, straight up. It's because it's hopefully going to get subverted. Cross your fingers. But I guess the, the other question would be, is, say Nick and Michelle are the final two. <laughs> final three metavex or whatever. Is that even a subversion <laughs> or is it just Tony was right? It's still bad. I think even, like, I don't know if there's a way to subvert it with how they've told it. That's, that's a very good point actually. Right? Like it's not subversion. <laughs> if they just plainly tell you the two options. Like, and, I guess I was thinking like, Oh, lions versus hyenas, but some of the hyenas are going to survive lions. But like, yeah, that's still not <laughs> impressive. Yeah. That's just, that's just some seasons of Survivor still. Remember, la- like, remember last season, pick any random theme off our board. Like, uh, how many people were debating, like, is this a feminist theme? Is this a theme about, is this a positive theme? Like, does this mean a woman's going to win? Does Janet definitely win because she's a woman? Um, And how they, oh no, it's how social issues impact the game of Survivor and all that kind of stuff. Like, they really, there's a lot of nuance and debate and like, oh, it could get subverted this way because some people talk about it this way and some people talk about it that way. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it led to like really dark stuff, but like it was really, really well developed and complicated and you can have d- debates on all sides. This one, it's like Tony explains the two options. Pick your favorite. Yeah. I guess the subversion would be some weird alliance of lion hyena i guess that's the subversion or it it gets down to all the lions and like what happens is people only thought that far yeah honestly that's the best way that this could go you're right yeah so i guess i'm rooting for nick and michelle to get voted out um but i don't want to root against the underdogs i know right like i want a good story here (laughs) but yeah that's that's uh this whole theme 
Um, mm. Poor hyenas. It's uh, like, I mean, you see the Lion King? Like, this is yeah. literally the Lion King. This is, I, I realized as we're talking about this, so rooted in the Lion King. Like, what? Yeah, I like mean, literally like Nick, Wendell, Adam, and Michelle got to go live in the elephant graveyard. Whereas <laughs> everybody else gets to like chill out on the shelter. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Tony just loved Lion King 2019. Who cares about realistic uh, lion faces? that brings us to the nature of truth which was in this episode um and i think it took to me it took on a role of um sort of unmasking tony a little bit like i thought so i guess my my thought process here is that we saw a scene between tony and sarah when Mm -hmm. uh sarah kind of um like maybe this is more with sarah than it is tony so sarah tells us plainly that she did it on a human level this was completely truthful there's no deception and everybody else is like oh deception deception is that deception i think it's pretty pretty cut and dry but then tony sits her down and he's like okay you have to be willing to turn yourself into a barbaric survivor player like you have to be willing to do that um do whatever you can to hide the fact that you're doing it but you have to do it sarah Mm -hmm. and that sort of idea is very weird when you consider what sarah's winning game was where it was just the extreme careful balance of these two things yeah (laughs) so like why is tony telling her this or why is it why is it important that we know tony told her about this i guess is the question so yeah yeah definitely a good point with that where sarah is acting very truthfully and honestly but and everyone else thinks it's a game of 100 percent yeah and it's kind Uh, of took it on a turn of like how other people hide their deception Mm -hmm. it's just and this one is so pronounced sarah failed to hide her non-deception right i think there's other little moments in this episode like adam and ben like adam not being truthful with ben um on the edge of extinction you have this brief moment where like parvati and danny are like we could hide this but we didn't because people are hungry and so there's little moments of like is it more valuable to be truthful or to lie and how was that perceived? So, yep, yep, for sure. Which brings us to uh, utility as relationships, building bridges by mm-hmm. building things. Um, I guess like the obvious one is Edge of Extinction, the moment you just mentioned. I right. almost think it's worth adding peanut butter here. It's very clearly, uh, again, the motif of the season, anyway, I guess, um, is how peanut butter sticks you together. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost the peanut butter theme. Um, yeah. I also thought this tied in with sort of Sarah in her attempt to give Nick a reward. Um, yeah. That's a utility as a relationship, but it failed. So, and most of our spokespeople of these, of this theme haven't benefited from it necessarily. Right. So yep. like when Wendell kind of burning out is a good example of that. Yeah. He's over there on edge of extinction. Didn't build anything cool. Is getting cut out of the peanut butter uh, sharing. So that was so funny. <laughs> Natalie's just like, I don't want this guy here. And then he's like, I think the editors kind of nailed this moment when Wendell's sitting there and like, <laughs> have you guys checked this tree? It's a clearly <laughs> empty tree. Like there's no leaves on it. He's just in the middle of it. Like it's also like previously important tree. Yeah. To the season. <laughs> So like, yeah, he's new here. Yeah, that was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, we'll talk about how to use your past to create your present. Um, obviously, with Edge of Extinction, again, I think Parvati revels a bit in the fact that she finally gets something uh, from the Edge. Um, there's another moment there, but I can't 
Remember. Oh, I think the, the number one example is everybody talking about like Jeremy being like, I did the same thing before. Like when he's talking to somebody, he's like, what do you think of that move by Sarah? And he's like, I did that in my season. And what did they do? They voted me out. Right. Like, that's what you do when people try to be sneaky, sneaky in this game. You got that. You got Adam talking about Sarah, how in game changers, um, mm-hmm. the reason why you should be scared of her is because she just she does stuff like what she just did with Nick. She makes a friend. But the thing about Sarah, she's not afraid to cut her friends. I think that was like a big thing here. Like uh, rebuilding the narrative of Sarah, the badass kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's another example with Michelle sort of reliving the same thing that happened to her on the first tribal council. Like, yeah. And more or less note for note too, right? Mm-hmm. Invisible premiere. I mean, first half of the premiere into revelate second episode like mia culpa realization of how she needs to fix it for the future yeah same thing in this one uh the merge she's invisible here she is that way again another good reason to maybe make this a two two hour episode last week but i digress (laughs) um (laughs) but yeah you're right it was all over this episode um and pretty interesting too the new mm-hmm. one here is making too many mistakes. Uh, Adam, well, obviously, says it on his way out. Uh, yeah. th- three strikes, you're out. And we, we sort of talked about it with, like, uh, Ben. It seems to be his theme of making too many mistakes that you... And also, Adam talked about how he did one too many things that he couldn't recover from. And yeah. so... It's all about pushing to that precipice without overplaying, which we've talked about overplaying before. But yeah, was... I think I think this is kind of saying like winners can make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. Um, I don't think there's a player in this game has been presented without blemish, but you have to be able to genuinely recover and you only get so many chances. The cat only has so many lives kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, I think, kind of interesting that we find out that Adam has like, been understanding the game as there being an idol there and so it has more luxury to play hard um i think that's fascinating on mm-hmm. like a strategy level it's really sad that he was banking on something probably for a long time that <laughs> was not there like that's really sad but right i think we might see inklings of this with denise maybe because she had her first episode mistake or she went off to the water well she was became a threat and then that went away this episode for whatever reason we'll get to that but little moments of where denise is building up too many bad things against her yep i agree with that which brings us to the next uh incantation of the themes which is the theme the the line that tyson says it back all the way back in episode one he says i'm gonna forfeit this battle to win the war and in many ways this has been tied up in sort of short-term versus long-term slash emotional decisions versus strategic decisions. I think that's the part that's really interesting in this episode. Mm -hmm. Tony literally says like the thing that every player, a a moment comes to every good player where they're forced to either like listen to their heart and make a move that loses them the game or turn that off, look forward and become that barbaric survivor player that you need to be in order to win. Amazing confessional that saved Tony from being a snooze fest. Um, (laughs) Tony perfectly describing like, like this felt like a fa- this felt like George R. R. Martin wrote it like so good. Um and yeah, like I think that's what we've been getting at with this theme, completely connected into words. Right. Yeah. So it's definitely at play with Sarah's emotional decision 
to do what she did and whether or not that was good or bad. Um, I also think it's sort of the energy that was trying to be presented by the chaos uh, before and at tribal council is you have this easy plan in front of you, but do you let things get in the way and veer you off course? Yeah, hundred percent. Like, and yeah, I think for me, this positioned Tony as a sort of like Rafiki to uh, Sarah's Simba. Like you have to be able, like he's the teacher. He's the quirky teacher who sees the future. Uh, she has to be willing to learn in order to be that barbaric survivor player slash good king um, or Mr. Miyagi and the karate kid, something like that. Like that, that scene felt very important to me and it will color a lot of my future analysis of these people. Yeah. Maybe this whole season is just a Lion King recasting. <laughs> Thanks again, Disney. Another Lion King remake. <laughs> no original ideas in Hollywood. Um. But I'm here for Sarah Simba, if that's the case. He's gonna be a mighty king. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like straight up. I felt that very blatantly. Like they're trying to position Sarah as like learning from Tony, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like we saw game changers. Like, mm-hmm. so that's that. Um, uh, I just wanted to highlight uh, the chaotic pace of the game. This used to be tied to old school versus new school players, but. All the old school players are over there eating peanut butter on Edge of Extinction. So I just wanted to address that it seems like it's still important to this season that things are chaotic and the pace is crazy at times, which that just may be a thing of having an all winter season and wanting to say the stakes are really, really high, but it's still here. So I figured I'd highlight it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, The next one is the one I wanted to bring up here is... Things will be hard, but you belong. I think the interesting mutation that it's taken on, because not straight up, I am shocked, and I did not see this coming at all, where I thought this season they would be really scared to tarnish the reputation or um, mystique of what makes a Survivor winner, because Survivor's been so protective of that identity for 40 seasons. The winner is always good. Um, They're always... a more or less a good player or a kind person or they believed harder than everybody else or uh, they love America more than anyone or whatever. Like there's usually some sort of mysticism behind them that makes them seem almost superhuman in the storytelling. Mike Holloway like prays so hard that he wins all the challenges, uh, stuff like that. Like even Fabio is less stupid than you think he is. Like all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff is always encapsulated by a winner. And what shocks me is, and I never would have saw this coming is that they have been willing to say things like at the start of this episode, Nick saying like Nick and Michelle saying these guys are a bunch of blubbering idiots who don't do anything. Like, do they like, no one wants to play survivor at tribal. The same kind of stuff comes up. Like if this is a war, this is the saddest war I've ever seen. Like they really are not adhering to this like mystic idea of a survivor winner. They are being like, Sandra was dumb. She got voted out. She's still a legend, but she played bad. Wendell's a jerk. He deserved to get voted out. Uh, mm-hmm. Like they're really n- not um, afraid to kind of just bury the concept of winners in a way that I would not have anticipated. Yeah, there's a lot of looking at my chart. There's a lot of negative scattered around more than I think I would have anticipated. Like you have characters like Adam and Ben who are sometimes seen as really like, well, Adam is like a child and Ben is mistake ridden so yeah they're not afraid to show these people in a bad light yeah which is good for the season i think yeah i 100 percent agree with that it is surprising it is odd to see but Mm -hmm. yeah it's i I guess and at the end of the day they do belong so 
that's probably a way for them to keep that mysticism of like survivor winners are good players while also having a season that isn't just a bunch of people smiling at each other. Right. Which is not what this season is anyway. <laughs> like, we'll get to Edge of Extinction. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's that's one. Um, obviously, I think that other players, uh, like other people in their respective season thing is still the case. It's just we went over that last week. Yeah. I don't have any new revelations on that, I guess. Yeah. I'll point them out. But I think we're kind of there. Like we almost have everyone sort of figured out. Or I think for the people we haven't figured out, they're sort of following their edit from their own season right now. So it's like, I don't know if I have anything else to reveal. Uh, my uh, The only one I want to touch on here is people have been saying that Adam is Hannah Shapiro and we did too. I actually think, I think he's Taylor Stalker. I think almost to a T of mm. like this revenge filled arc of like really not wanting to work. Instead of Adam, it, it's Ben. Um, like, I think there's a lot of similarities there. They leave in pretty much the same spot. I think it was probably Hannah Shapiro, Taylor, and Spike. But yeah, the only other one here is this fire tokens theme, which again, at this point, like, I don't know the, the writing's been on the wall a little bit for this one for a little bit. I don't think this is a super positive theme. I don't think I no longer believe that our winner will be the winner that plays the best with the fire tokens. Mm -hmm. Or I think... I think it might be opposite. This might be a Tommy style. Like, I never had to use them. I guess I think my faith is lessened in that it will be some ingenious move they make, but they'll probably just fall into whatever good luck the fire token wheel sent for them that day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. Because, like, I think, yeah, just the way it's being portrayed and the way it's set up is really, like, a bad negative on the season. But you can see where, like someone actually buys a good advantage that does them really well in the game. But I don't think it will be this amazing, ingenious move. Yeah, you're probably right. Like, this is probably still positive because they're not going to, like... Like, I don't think they're going to trash their theme that much. Like, I guess they did with Island of the Idols, and that was unexpected. But, um, (laughs) yeah, like, I I just don't think this is a huge deal anymore, I guess. Right. And if anything, it's, like, how Fire Token screwed up a bunch of people. That'll probably still happen. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Which brings us to the Edge of Extinction. I mm-hmm. uh, got a pretty dedicated uh, segment here in this episode. Um, and most people got some degree content. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, Half we're still on We're on episode five of Amber being under the radar. Rip queen. Rip queen. Yeah. Um, so I guess to me, this segment was okay. But I, I'll leave this thought till the end once we go through everybody. But like Amber pretty much just summarized what people thought. Um about the clue yeah yeah she's really like i feel like she has big mom energy on edge of extinction like she just sort of lets everyone else do their thing and then follows along yeah yeah (laughs) poor amber she's not coming back no poor amber um i do think the interesting one here is danny yeah this was a really good episode for danny (laughs) yeah (laughs) which i love that we're saying that i hate that we're saying it but i also love it because yeah it was just she had the line the three words as a fan which (laughs) you had told me anyone would get to say as a fan danny would be at the bottom of the list but yeah amazing that she is the fan of survivor who knew where aubrey had found an advantage previously but like she didn't like that's the that's the (laughs) thing that's why i i think to me, it's between her and somebody else. I, th- I honestly think everybody else is dead. But for me, the reason Danny stands as probably number one, maybe number two, a little undecided here of who's going to come of, back. Of coming back. <laughs> of coming back. Yeah, not of winning yet. I'll be, <laughs> she's definitely not winning. But I think the reason I have her a little higher, I'll just say is parity, 
is Parvati's clearly the one who said where it was and picked it up. But Danny got the confessional about that. Mm-hmm. Danny like, like had the thought energy to get them there. Yeah, it was like Danny's like it's probably where it was last time and seemed to not know where that was. <laughs> and then Parvati's like, "Oh, Aubrey found it by the steps." And then Danny's mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, me and uh, me and uh, Parvati found it by the steps." Yeah, yeah, really good for Danny. Um, and she got a confessional before that too. Uh, she got that moment when everyone's like, "We should step back and assess." And she's like, "We'll step back and assess when we're at the top of the hill." Like, <laughs> she she got way too many character moments in this for it not mm. to mean something. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I would say Danny l- looks good as a returnee, and I mean, given what we've seen of returnees. Or the past attorney, like, I mean, maybe she could win, but like, yeah, it doesn't seem possible. Both Chris Underwood and Danny Boatwright caught fish. Both were eliminated third from a blue tribe. Yeah, I don't know. Starting to seem uh, pretty spot on. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. This was a obviously fantastic episode. I still th- I, I think I'm going to decide that I have poverty a little bit higher because mm. I, it is weird because like Ethan didn't get content. Or for example, like, I don't know. Right. We're Yeah, we're getting to a point where the Edge of Extinction content is so quick and fast. And there's so many men there that their voices blend together. And I don't know who's saying what sentence. Yes. So like Ethan said some stuff, but I none of it felt really attributed to him. Yeah, he's not coming back is what's clear to me. Like, right. I think how I'm factoring this in now using my Edge of Extinction uh prior knowledge is like every single confessional or line they get counts for five or ten confessionals of people in the game like i think that's how you have to see it so like if like chris got three confessionals in an episode one time he actually got 30 confessionals um (laughs) so that the next invisible doesn't matter so much like i think that's almost how i have to see it um Mm -hmm. ethan's dead he he doesn't have enough even with that rule natalie is an interesting one I don't know. I feel like Ethan has had bits here and there where it's still like, I don't know quite how Edge of Extinction is working. So, and I mean, yeah, I mean it's still one note. It's it's all about like his battle with cancer, right? Like it's all about that. Right. But I don't know. It's a touching story about how he makes it all the way. That's, okay. that's what it is. And we'll get like a fu- happy moment when he conquers it and like goes to the jury village. Right. That's what I think. Natalie's, I think, an interesting example. Um, <laughs> Her story now seems to be ostracizing the new people. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Last week I was like, okay, I think it could be her. I think, I, I think I've softened on that a little bit. I thought it was interesting how she had like a deliberate strategy for splitting everyone up. Like, I guess if you're going to show someone trying to play the game on Edge of Extinction, you at least have that. So, and they a- did do that with Chris. Like, that was that's what we kind of caught on to is like, Chris, like we at many times considered Chris as a returnee, not necessarily as a winner, but like because he kept getting these stuff, this, these confessionals where he's like, well, I don't know how people will even come back. Maybe it's a vote and I should get these people on my side. Or, um, mm-hmm. so like they kind of tried to force a little strategy. It's just weird that the strategy was let's not feed Wendell and Newell. Like, I yes. don't, I still don't really know what the purpose of that is. <laughs> yeah, a little odd, a little odd starvation tactics, Um, but it is what it is. Uh, That brings us to Parvati. I guess my number one, uh, the more I'm thinking about it, maybe it's Danny. I don't know. It's one of these two, though. Yeah, um, definitely these two at the top. Yeah. To me, I would almost put, like, I, I think I would do Danny, Parvati, or somebody still in the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, But Parvati's had these, like, inklings of, like, goodish content that feels kind of like a returnee. So. Yep. And even when you p- place it to like uh, 
Like you were saying that Ethan has these good moments. They're pretty much only ever talking to Parvati. True. I think that's not a coincidence. I mean, I think they're friends, but also uh, yeah. I think it's good for Parvati. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, she found it. We did say that Danny got a lot of the credit for uh, the discovery, but I think it was more 60-40 in Parvati's favor. It's just that the fact that it's Danny. I give more points to um, because obviously poverty is like a household name. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, yeah, it's interpreting this sort of scene from where we are now, where we don't know how it will affect things. It does feel pretty equal just in separate ways. Like Danny got strategy or like not strategy, but like the finding it sort of um, credit Whereas Parvati got the elation of actually finding it. She got the talk bit about whether to hide it or not, what they were going to do with it, all that. So yeah, a hundred percent. And like, they found it together. Maybe they just thought it would be weird. Like there, there is like ways you can uh, mm-hmm. think about how that works. And I mean, like it's no secret Parvati. I love her so much. Uh, Again, one of my top five favorites ever. I don't really need to see her just be ni- being nice to people. Like <laughs> I- I'm sure most of these people are really lovely in their real life. Um, like follow them on Twitter if you want nice poverty getting peanut butter for her friends, but not great TV. Well, I mean, the thing is, we don't have any proof that they bought peanut butter. True. <laughs> True. I hope she just hoarded them. I can't wait to see the peanut butter feast next episode. It's going to be like 20 minutes long. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's, that's poverty. Um, Rob, I think I was right to be honest, uh, last week that, his story was, well, if he won the last one, he would have won. Maybe. I don't know. I, I still think it could happen. I it's guess. Like, oh, I no. think the game is a lot closer here than maybe you do. Like Danny and Parvati are definitely in the lead, but like I can still see inklings where like Ethan or Rob or Natalie come back. Like I'm less willing I could. To... I just. <laughs> yeah, it is less likely. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I think the thing for me that hurts Rob is like, I never, this is another never would have expected that playing like Boston Rob would be used to show somebody negatively. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, um, we took a lot of positive from his game, but like, I think the season's meant to be like, he overplayed his hand. Mm-hmm. And now people are taking the, like, they're using him as a negative, which is not fantastic. That's very true. Yeah. Uh, Wendell, he's stuck in a tree. He's not going to win. <laughs> like, yeah, not our, not our attorney. No, Cool building moment. You promised nope. me a cool building moment and it didn't happen. Support. Listen, like, okay, Edge of Extinction, <laughs> I feel like you kind of have to view it like the entire, like, 13 episodes of it is just, like, one segment. So maybe he does build something super cool. It's just next week or the week after or whatever. I'll give you until the end of the season. Okay. I hope he does. I really hope he does. Maybe that's how he reunites with the other side that hates him. Oh, he builds a literal bridge. Would that not make sense? Like, that actually makes a ton of sense. Like, he's being ostracized, and they don't like him, but he builds, like, a vending machine, and then they all like him again. They do keep talking about how the tide keeps coming in, and then they can't get on top of the hill. Maybe he builds a bridge. Oh, I was like, like a like a dam? Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. this is an Animal Crossing show. We can't just <laughs> get rid of the tide. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> a bridge would do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you and then all... Yule, like, we got a... Sh- shot of him picking up the box which should have been cut like you could have just cut to uh them yeah. opening it yeah like who ordered pizza like that's not a pizza like what are yeah, you this, doing you all it's a bad joke it was a bad joke like like if it was like wider or something like you could say like a bread who ordered bread something like I, that that's better i would kind of love if like weirdly the survivor edge of extinction pizza was in a bizarre small 
cube box that was no pizza we dreamed of <laughs> yep i agree but yeah like i don't know Edge of extinction was like it's just not exciting like there's no drama at all like that's the thing like no no one's interesting in their everyday life at all <laughs> like that's just the rule like um and that's how these people are they like, sometimes have to go do an escape room but they all do it mm-hmm. together so there's not even any stakes it's so dumb it's so dumb i can't believe they've done this twice right and i think it's also hurting from the fact that they're all winners of this game so you don't have reams or wendy's or keith's to cause chaos yeah none of these people are like trashy right like like straight up like ream like is like i'm gonna yell at these people Mm -hmm. none of these people have that instinct in them at all like tony's the only one that would have been interesting here and he's actually playing well Mm -hmm. instead like he's like i don't know We'll get Adam there, so maybe he can do something. <laughs> but I think the game makes Adam in the, like that way. Like I don't even think Adam's like like Adam's not even that tier, you know. I mean, Ben's probably the only one who would like <laughs> a, a, attack people, kind of thing. He did think a uh, symbol on a podium was an idol, and now he has a so true, 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 true. But yeah, that's such an extinction. Mm-hmm. Farewell. I I I can't believe that Aubrey got a. Uh, Aubrey has, like, more content than some people <laughs> on this season. Sure, but yeah, that brings us to Ben, who. Yep. I, I'm finally confirming it. Ben's awesome. I love it. Um, really has shown himself to be, a, I think, a very great player. Um, again, his win wasn't great, but I think that doesn't mean he's not a great player. Um, he's a very fun character. I like the only moment I'm going to remember from this was that thing where he's testing Adam. I thought it was really delightful. A lot of fun. Um, and a moment that I'll definitely remember is like a, a thing that happened. Cause it says mm-hmm. so much about both of them at the same time. It's really good. Yeah. I think now that Adam has left, it wasn't as clearly defined before, but I think Ben is clearly above everyone else in terms of character. Like he is strategic and good strategy, but he's also interesting in how he does it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. A little messy, but yeah. Worthwhile. Yeah. He's like, a, he's a, he's a smart, but goofy strategy mm-hmm. player uh, um, i don't think he's winning no in fact i think weirdly maybe to contradict what i just said i think he has now shifted into losing finalist position yeah like especially with that jury comment like that feels like losing finalist 101 is sort of yeah i can't believe i was so wrong last week um when i said like the only thing he can't be is a losing finalist because now i think he probably is just a losing finalist but like yeah. a good one like it's gonna be like a debate maybe. because like I mean, Adam saying, like, in both times I've played Survivor, I've never had a conversation make me feel that bad. Sounds like a losing final. Mm-hmm. And, like, mm-hmm. I, maybe maybe, maybe Ben does this kind of stuff a lot. Like, maybe he does interrogate people. Like, this is him. Uh, what is it? Uh, the line from Triple H, like. Uh, <laughs> that you say every episode. Uh, I believe Dr. Mike says that he is playing with the ferocity that transcends. Oh, no, no, no. I meant the, oh. <laughs> uh, the Chrissy one. Like, you're steamrolling. Steam steamrolling people, yeah. But, yeah, like, I don't know. He's a lot of fun. Um, I like his spot. I do think, I think he's in the finale for sure. Yeah. I mean, the weird thing is with those Lions versus Hyenas, I don't really know what the trajectory is beyond anything. Like, That's maybe... the thing, like, <laughs> I agree. Like, I'm not 100% sure what this endgame is going to be comprised of. I just feel like Ben's there. Yeah, I think that was maybe the biggest shakeup this episode for me was that not necessarily the winner contenders, but like I feel like I can't make sense of the end game now. Like, yeah, Adam, I thought I he was a losing finalist and now he's not there. So that's the thing at this point. I'm straight up thinking it's like, oh, well, who are people that they've kind of 
mutated and Ben's one of them. So I'm like, okay, maybe it's, he's so different because this is how Ben looks like if he loses. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of how I'm thinking about it. Right. Again, like a losing finalist really doesn't look that much different than most other boot placements. Other than that, there's a reason they lose. But mm-hmm. like, if you get voted out, you kind of have the same thing. There really is only the winner edit, more or less, and like a like a robbed goddess kind of thing. I think exists. Like a growth edit exists, but um, yeah. I mean, I feel like the big thing to notice about losing edits is if you look back, you should see why they lost. Like, yeah. There should be little bits and pieces here and there. And some argument for how they should win. Yeah. Because they want, they really want that, like, kind of back and forth. But, like... Right. Like, I guess, why they lost, but also how they made it to the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. And, yeah, Ben fits that mold. Um, But, yeah, he's going far. I just, like, I don't think he's winning. He's going far. Gives him a lot of chance at losing finalist. I don't think Ben could lose a fire making challenge. So it kind of like, it just doesn't seem in his uh, wheelhouse exactly. Like he seems like quick proficient at that stuff. Sure. So I, I'd say give him one of the finale boots that isn't fire making loser or a winner. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. Like his story being, he made a few too many mistakes. He recovered. Right. And that's actually a brilliant losing finalist story, right? Like he made just one too many mistakes to win the jury vote when he did mm-hmm. have his eye on the prize and he was good. But the person he's with made less mistakes. Yeah, for sure. That would make sense. And maybe Adam goes at him for being crossing a line or something. Mm -hmm. Brings us to Denise, who was kind of quiet this episode. Yeah, she's a huge threat who we thought for sure would leave when she didn't have immunity. Yeah, apparently not. Apparently she's not even good enough to get picked for a team. (laughs) That was shocking. Like, did they just, to me, I, because that was the reward challenge. I read it as like, oh, never mind. I was right. They're starving her. They don't want her to win the reward. But no, okay, never mind. I mean, maybe. I don't know. But I like, think was... they didn't do anything with it. She didn't I win immunity. The weird thing about this schoolyard pick reward challenge thing is that there's strategy in it that we never get to see because it's always off screen. It's just like, we're going to school your pick, and then the teams are picked. And I think you have to consider, yes, physicality in the challenge, but also, like, strategy-wise, like, you're going to pick people you want to see win in some extent, or you want a better relationship with. So I think Denise is in a weird spot where she's not maybe the physic most physically strong and i don't think people have her as a top priority for like relationship wise so yeah and like this was a very like physically different challenge than um right and so like if kim sort of picks like michelle and sophie for the puzzle early on like she's probably not your top choice for doing all that heavy lifting and swimming and stuff yeah which makes sense but yeah like denise i think one thing they've done is they they have kind of built a new star with her i think that's good Mm -hmm. Um, I think they could have done more with her, especially early on. But if the story is how Denise entered as a non-threat in Rise Like Phoenix, honestly, I gotta say they did do a pretty good job here uh, with Denise's story so far. I do think it really needs like another chapter because, okay, she's, I think she's very obviously not winning, but that doesn't mean you can't give her a good narrative here. They still have time to do that. They just really need to pick it up next episode because like last week, it's how big of a threat she is this week. Her not being there isn't doing what I think they want it to be doing. Yeah, I think these two episodes show more than anything that they're not really focusing on Denise's edit. She's more there for whatever moment she provides. And so I think she brought it big when she got out Sandra, but like she'll get her moments where she can. And she does get little lines here and there, even in this episode. Yep, I agree. And honestly, I've kind of opened my eyes that maybe she could also be a losing finalist. Like she has that gear if it's against the right people. Um, But it just depends how that 
formulates. Right. Um, because I think what it could be, the story could be how Denise entered as a nothing, which I think is, again, unfair. Denise is a great player before this. Mm-hmm. Um, rises to be a great player, but doesn't quite become a phenomenal player uh, and loses to like a bigger, a bigger lion. Right. Like, this would be the like losing in grace finalist, not like a villain one. Mm-hmm. but yeah i don't know you're right like they don't have a clear path for her is what's obvious uh hopefully it means she has more fun moments because i really really do like denise especially this new denise where she is like the confession last week like we made a day one alliance not a day 39 alliance like she is really cool yeah for sure and even here she was like snarky throughout like she's a big anti sarah's move person in that scene um yeah she's like comforting adam when he returns unsuccessful from his idol attempt yep very good and i I guess that brings us to jeremy (laughs) pretty much the same thing right like i think what's interesting here though i think that was very noticeable is jeremy in control of this game because he didn't move at all all his content was on that one little stool everyone's coming to him giving him all the info is he playing like just as good as he was in second chance I feel like he probably is. Yeah, he was not in danger, weirdly, and seemed to suffer no, like, blowback from whatever he was trying to do last episode not working. Yeah. Like, he's just in an okay position. And it really it really just felt like the Jeremy we saw the first eight episodes of. Yeah. Or seven. So, yeah. I, I really think what we talked about at the start of the game where they were struggling to find people who didn't matter or how to edit the people who don't matter. I think Jeremy is one of those people, weirdly, ultimately. Yeah, so yeah. like got- last week they gave him like an over his head guy. Mm-hmm. And then this, and it's so weird because they did that episode one too, right? Like his premiere was, he's jo- he's jostling for too much power. His number one ally gets voted out. After that, he recovers and he's back in control. He, him and Michelle then dominate that tribe. Mm-hmm. Then literally the merge is Natalie gets voted out. Um, Or sorry, um shoot wendell gets voted out he's in over his head too power hungry wendell gets voted out and now he's just back in control again like yeah maybe maybe it is our uh history repeats itself like uh past to create the present thing going on here because there does seem to be a lot of these like exact parallels to the premiere going on but um Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know jeremy was again his regular old self but without the complexity still like that's the thing that's missing like if you cut this content and like blurred out all the other characters and added in some confessionals about Val. This is his second chance content. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, for sure. Um, so it's it's a little weird that way. Um, but it, he's very, very similar to second chance. And I, I feel like he's probably just as in much of a dominating position. They just don't got much for him. And I think he's not going to... I feel like he's going to be our, like... Um, obstacle to topple person. Like, he's our boss. He's our war dog. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder how much of it... Like, maybe he... Because the last time he can use the safety without power is next episode. Yeah. So, I think he might just use it, and that will be sort of used as why he's target all of a sudden. Yeah. It's like, oh, he had this power, and he might not have needed it. Maybe he won't play it. I don't know. Yeah, I it feel like... like he's going before the finale, and I can't really figure out how or why. See, I think that what we're going to see is Jeremy's going to be the one that gets collapsed on when either two, one of two things happens. The hyenas successfully dodge the threat level and get numbers on their side and the lions start picking each other off. That's one option. The other option is once the hyenas are gone, neutralized, Jeremy is the first lion eaten because he's the biggest one or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. he's in that spot. He's our 
like next the next chapter of this story is going to be after Jeremy leaves. Hmm. Okay. I do want to touch on one thing that I forgot to mention when we were talking about Wendell. Um, last week we really hammered the show for um basically editing Wendell as like a super over the top negative person, uh, and then dropping it completely at the merge, and also in this episode, um, we got a message from one of our listeners, Emily Pandemonium, friend of the show. Um, of, and this is a side note I wanted to touch on is the idea of Michelle as a kind of misguided female empowerment fallen angel character. Um, and that maybe what they were trying to go for was look at the power that she gets from the girl outlasting, uh, the jerk who dumped you story being reductive, but a rare one to see on survivor. Um, so it doesn't matter necessarily that the Wendell boot was incoherent. We come out of the situation liking Michelle and appreciating that she survived away from this guy. Um, so that giving it some power, that could kind of be what it is if they're trying to stitch together a story of um, how that works. And I just thought that was a, a really good post that is probably what they're thinking. I still think the better option would be give her content there, but sure. Yeah. I mean, we'll get to Michelle soon enough. Oh, wow. I, I definitely was under the impression that Michelle was next. I mean, we can make her next. We'll yeah, we'll, we'll talk about Michelle here. Okay. Sorry, Don't Kim. worry. Just... We won't forget your fave, Kim, Kim Sradlin. But okay. Uh, Michelle. So yeah, I think last episode, we were like, what a terrible episode. And then if you could have dreamed up like the perfect episode to maybe think about her again, I think this was it. Yeah. Like, right at the beginning, it's, like, immediately, like, why didn't they tell me they were going to vote off Wendell? I wanted to do that. Like, yeah. All this stuff, essentially. It made Michelle look as good as she can. I mean, my I'm thrown off because of last episode, but I've still got an eye on her. And with this episode sort of throwing things into a more chaotic place, it's someone to look at again for me, I guess. I've wrestled with this a lot. I have come out of the, uh, come out of my, uh, internal dialogue with the idea that I'm still not considering Michelle. Um, mostly, honestly, I flash back to David versus Goliath. And I think my biggest edit misread in the last long time was Gabby. Gabby, I was convinced was winning because she had this really fleshed out story that dipped in, uh, content sometimes but was always present and was always an important part of the story. So frequently, like I, on uh, the Green Tribe on David vs. Goliath, she would get these confessionals being like, oh my God, I'm going to get voted out. This is my dream. I don't want to go home um, if I go because I'm so obviously going home if we lose. I need to win this challenge. Um, she would get all this awesome personal content. But they did this really weird thing in David vs. Goliath that I thought was really weird. A lot of people thought Kara was going to win. A lot of people thought Gabby was going to win. A lot of people thought Nick was going to win. What they did was at the merge, Gabby went invisible one episode, Kara went invisible the one after that. Um, and I'm starting to think that might be a weird trend here. Um, Michelle going invisible here, or last week, followed by a huge episode after, reminding me way too much of my girl Gabby. Um, and I don't think I'm willing to fall for that trick again. Um, I wrote it off last time as like, you know what? Maybe it was a well needed cool down. Don't think it was. Um, I think there's a better way to tell that story that they would know. And you're right. This is one that felt really like there isn't a better episode. And I really have not considered her at all this season, like a little bit here and there, but not never as a top tier. Um, Maybe it's kind of uh, like a stubbornness there to not consider her. She's close to the top for me of people. I just would not put her anywhere near my actual list. Right, right. 
Um, and I will say, I think this episode sort of loosened me on my stubbornness to not consider certain people. But in that loosening, I was like, well, if I'm considering this person, then I have to overlook Michelle's flaws as well. Because mm. I think I can see her even more likely than other person we have yet to get to. I honestly just think at this point that one of the most important factors in a survi- modern Survivor winner is just consistent visibility. I think that is more important than most other traditional factors at this point in uh, hmm. the, the Survivor ecosystem. Like the last five winners, except Chris, are all your like almost most visible character. Like, and that's kind of hard to not shake off. Um, the exception being, I guess, Wendell. But like he but, was consistently like lower visibility. Yeah, he was consistent. He wasn't most visible. He was very consistent visibility. Yeah, it was just not that much, but always tied to Dominic. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. And like the merge episode isn't where you want to have those dips especially um yeah yeah, i will say that point about the david versus goliath sort of character swap was interesting except it was happening with nick too because i remember the big thing was like there are two different editing teams one is editing for nick to win the other for Kara. so um i don't know it's weird but i i do like that point yeah no that's that's the thing is like nick's included in that it's just nick like nick would go utr1 they would go invisible. And I think that's the killer here. Um, Like Nick would kind of dip and he was confusing and he would like bad weeks, but he would never be like gone. And I think that's the killer. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Like Michelle's story is good. Uh, it's really, really good. Um, If this was, again, they might've tricked me. Maybe not even tricked is the right word, but I might've been on the Michelle bandwagon had it's been a two hour episode with last week. Cause then I would have been like, Oh, that's a little right. too cute. Like twice to right. not be intentional. Right. It not being, uh, I don't know. That's a little more hazy. Mm-hmm. And I guess I should say, I, even though I'm reconsidering her, my prevailing thought still, it's this Janet type story where it's a fun, rootable character that doesn't quite make it. Yeah, I agree. Like I could see fire making loser. I could see uh boot before the finale. I could see, I could see a lot of like these, I feel like she's going to get a tragic demise. Mm-hmm. It is interesting to think that she's a hyena who we seem to think is outliving her species. She might not. Like, I'm going to be honest. I don't think she's a lock other than I think color me crazy. Disadvantage is going to like she's going to flip safe when she needs it. Hmm. I don't know. I just hate this advantage so much. I'm expecting it. I expect all advantages to go as poorly as they can. So uh, the sad truth is that when Survivor introduces bad advantages, they tend to like luck themselves into working well. Like they, the true. like the idle nullifier. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like she probably saves herself. Um. With it, because it was it was shown very positively. Like this wasn't like there was no like fifty fifty. It was like, and also Michelle was so, um, like she seems like such like a fun quirky gal. Yeah, um, she was so like uh, amused by her fifty fifty coin. Yeah. Like it flips safe and then not safe. She's like, oh yeah, it is 50-50. And like her weird laugh. I love that. I lo- I really, really enjoy Michelle. And it makes me sad that I, like, I'm i not, I wish I was on the Michelle wins bandwagon. You know what I mean? Like, um, like I really, really like her. And I think she's probably playing a little, actually she's probably a little overrated by the community because they clearly on the island see her as nothing. Yeah, I think she's playing a bad game. Like one of the yeah. worst games out here. Who She just seems to not be considered as a target for some reason. I mean, it's because it's like we're seeing the rise of badass Michelle, right? Like with the electric guitar playing and 
Yeah. Like, they're coming for you. <laughs> but on the island, she's voted wrong. Like the problem with her in Korong, sure, it's social game, didn't make big moves, blah, blah, blah. It's like she voted wrong most of the tribal she went to, and she only went to like six tribals. Like she mm-hmm. failed to like control the game. Right. And like I still loved her then too, but like she's making the same problem here. So it's like, whereas Denise in people's minds entered middling and has shown that she is really cutthroat and cool. Mm-hmm. Michelle hasn't done that. Like all her stories have been fabricated. Yeah. Her rising up against Wendell didn't happen. She voted with him, like stuff like that. Like on the island, <laughs> they she's done nothing. She's a nobody. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, I don't know. I don't love that idea, but um, I think that's what we're seeing. Um, I do think that the reason all that's been fabricated is because she probably does rise up a bit and they do want to put some uh, like uh, glitter on her or whatever. Um, But yeah, like, I don't know. You're right. Like in that moment, the 50-50 coin was so like amazing. Like she was so endlessly amused by that coin. It was like infectious. Mm -hmm. And she like couldn't get through a sentence without giggling. She was like, um, uh, beautiful 50-50 coin. Yeah. Which like she had it in her confessional. So it was like, okay, so you obviously bought it right like uh yeah like she gives me like major like jimmy fallon vibes as weird as that is like like she breaks like she can't like not laugh in a moment right and like people like her and she's fun like she is she a great late late night host slash survivor player Uh, (laughs) like i like i enjoy them but i'm also like like are they good at their job like Hmm. that's my uh that's my thoughts on michelle okay mm-hmm. we gotta go back to kim why oh why did she get buried this is the this literally led me like like i could not sleep last night like i went full crazy man being like she's in the, the final nine right final 10 final nine final 10 she's in the current final 10 right yeah okay yes <laughs> with an idol she's one immunity uh this is kim spradlin She's really only got like one vote or whatever at the very start of the game. Um, She, again, has an idol, has voted correctly almost every time or maybe every time. She seems to be in the majority. Why why did she get buried? Why are we led to believe that she's playing bad when she's clearly not? I mean, we talked about this last episode. It's like the seeds they sowed at the beginning of the season have carried a long way to making us think Kim is a bad player. But yeah, she's like doing incredibly well. And, like, she's fun and under the radar and quirky, too. Like, she's talking to herself to win the challenge. Uh, During the live tribal, she is just sort of sitting there, like, smiling. Like, she has immunity and she has nothing to say. Like, Mm -hmm. I love these little Kim moments. But, yeah, it's like, why are they, why is she in the background? Straight up, I'm, like, I feel like my conspiracy theory they like had like a template set up of like, well, we're going to give this person um, like really good show that how great they are, but they don't quite crack the win um, content. And we're going to give this one like, look, they're kind of stumbling and this is sh- showing why they weren't a great winner to begin with. And they made the same mistake I just did in this episode where they accidentally gave Michelle Kim's really good dominating um, story. Like, look, how great she still is and they gave michelle like or they gave kim the story of like oh look people don't really like her that much at the start and (laughs) 
She's a nothing. When, like, based on the just the television character we've been given, is it not the exact opposite for both of them how they're actually being perceived? Because Kim's never been mentioned as a low-profile player or a hyena or a bad player or anything. She's always been presented, like, by just people talking as a big threat who's really good at the game. Mm-hmm. But then we, like... In confessionals, we get, like, weird twisting to make her look terrible. And then Michelle, they all see her as, like, a, like a tadpole. And she's being presented as, like, a, uh, like, a super fraud, like, a, um, shoot, battle toad, you know? Like, <laughs> it, it's so bizarre. They're, like, flipped. They're the exact opposite. I don't know. I will say they're not, like, super showing Kim right now. But they are sort of showing her as, like, a capable person at this point in time. That's true. Like, very calmly detailing what the plan is for this episode. And just then it happened, and then she was done for the episode. But yeah, no, 100%. Like, she pops in. Maybe, honestly, what it is, is, like, she's an enable. Like, there's a there's a reading of this, like, Lion's Highness thing that's, like, boring Pagong. And, like, mm-hmm. production being... Like, maybe she just is, like... Maybe she's actually what I said Jeremy is. is like, she should have made a move. She should have... And she just kind of was complacent. That could be like, and this is like a pseudo punishment. I don't know. I think I'm like not so sold on the fact that it's a punishment. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's just not a like entity in the grand scheme of things. So I just don't, I think she just doesn't, she would be normally under the radar if she weren't Kim Spradlin on a winter season. Hmm. Oh, okay. So your take's basically like, she's like Chelsea, like Chelsea. Uh, what's her name? Uh, from Ghost Island. Townsend. Yeah, like not the Chelsea from her season that we've been saying she is. Like that's how she's being shown, but in reality, she's probably like if this was a new player, she would probably be Chelsea. Yeah, sort of like how Chelsea was where she was we're told we weren't told while we were watching that she was playing capably and a good player, but everyone at postseason was like, Yeah, Chelsea was a big decision maker who was actually playing well, it just didn't pan out for her. Yeah, I think that's actually a really good read. Mm-hmm. And you're right, it's been less negative than I'm portraying it. It's just like that was a real bad premiere. Like it's a well, it's a one that sticks with you. Yeah, I think she had a really bad premiere and then her altercation with Sophie who Sophie is someone that people are paying a lot of attention to. And so that moment really sticks out as a negative to sort of the light positivity of Sophie. Yeah, you're right. That's probably true. That's probably a good read. I know. I am all here for the out of nowhere Kim Spradlin wins this game edit. I feel like a few people really want to happen. So they're believing in it. But like, it's not <laughs> is that a movement? Happen. Like a few people are like Kim is a dark horse who... It might win this. I just think it's twisting away from what Survivor normally does. And hey, maybe this is that season, but probably not. But I'll be there. Kim's a good, like, what if Edgic is dead uh, winner, right? Like, that's not a... Mm. It's not going to happen, right? Like Her edit's, like, not, like, out there negative or over the top or anything just not hitting the same story beats that someone with this bar would it's like they shuffled up her edgic bar and now it's hitting in all the wrong places yeah you're right like it wouldn't be so bad if like the neg- like her premiere was episode five but mm-hmm. yeah you, I, I think i see what you're saying there um yeah. the real question to me though remains like um like one so kim i think the best argument for kim winning would be they have clear attention to her story like she has a story it timbers mm-hmm. everybody just actually ha- doesn't seem to be true it's a made-up story for some weird reason so that's one that's that's the ultimate question to me is like like she doesn't even like she wasn't even on the bottom tyson got voted out like that kind of stuff is so weird 
But I guess to me, I'm like, is this like my conspiracy theory? I guess. Is this them with the footage, with the result, the boot order of Kim Spradlin, the losing finalist, and they have no idea how to do it. So there's like, uh, uh, she's unlikable, I guess. That's what I think. Maybe. Like, yeah, I, don't, I, I can't see her making it that far, though. Yeah, for sure. I feel like she wins if she's in the final three. Maybe she doesn't, and they just have no explanation. We've seen that a couple times, and it's awkward. Yeah, it would be like a Gavin, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost exactly a Gavin, right? Like, But she's, like, more visible, weirdly. Yeah, but, like, Gavin's yeah. not exactly, uh, like, uh, <laughs> TV gold. <laughs> That's true. And Kim has, like, a following. Like, like, she's definitely the top candidate for that Gavin-style winner. Like, mm-hmm. you know what? I, I, if there is a, if our winner is Edge of Extinction bound, Kim is our losing finalist beside them. Yeah. I'm just imagining the season where Danny Boatwright has won and Kim is her second place losing finalist. Oh <laughs> a season intentionally made to make Joe mad. It, no, I kind of love it. Because, yeah, like, true. I mean, Danny's, like, fun enough, I guess. Kim is there. I mean, she made it to the end. Um and the internet fallout, like, this is 2020. Like, come on, bring it up. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I'm not going to lie. As somebody who, like, I actually really like, like, I think Survivor benefits from, like, the Michelle win. And then everybody's like, ah, Michelle Lobry, Michelle Lobry, rah, rah. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's a good thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. Yeah. I know. I could, something to talk to. I could see a Kim win as, like, they're being really subversive and all of a sudden they're like, oh, you guys just let Kim this big threat sneak to the end. And here she is. So, yeah, we're going to give it to her. Yeah. I, I, the other option would be a Kim Tyson Edge of Extinction returning. And they maybe production is like, I wish you guys would have honored our twist instead of just blindly voting against it. But here, Kim won, I guess. Yeah. That's possible. Poor Kim, though. Yeah. Either way, it's really sad for Kim. Uh, maybe she's having fun with it. I don't know. It's it's I turned kind of fun. fun. It's turned a chapter. I think she's definitely having fun. Like she seems very calm and like just happy to be there. Weirdly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to our boy Nick, who is not really happy to be there. He's kind of <laughs> kind of angry all the time. Now. Nick's taking Adam's uh, premiere role. Mm-hmm. Like he is a pouty boy. Um, yeah, no, everything he says is kind of kind of angry um like salty i would say salty is the right yeah. right vibe for nick like but you know what nick's a pretty good player it seemed like he did okay work at getting it away from him um, yeah he was weirdly just like he went to tyson and was like yeah sarah's coming after you <laughs> tyson apparently from what we saw agreed to that somewhat yeah and then like nick got as little blowback as he could have i guess so yeah and like in a weird way that confessional where nick's like hey i got tyson's fire token maybe me and tyson can work together I think we're seeing them work together um mm-hmm. i think they're kind of somewhat loosely aligned like i don't know nick seems like a good player i don't know like and he's fun i actually like i love that he was just like oh i i thanks sarah i i'm not i doesn't make me trust you at all um <laughs> but thanks like, i, I mm-hmm. like that kind of stuff like yeah because um, that's the thing with like i think the ultimate difference between like new school old school whatever is like new school players and we saw this in David versus Goliath too. Like um, when Christian voted out, I think it was Carl. Nick was very angry at Christian. Like he was like, "You're dead to me." Like that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. I think the difference between these new school and old school players ultimately really is the fact that like they're able to be emotional, but then also be like, "Well, like thanks, Sarah," but also it means nothing. Like I, I think old school players, for the most part, would be like. Thank you. That's a way to build bonds. But mm-hmm. new school players are like, okay, well, you're trying to build a bond with me. 
Therefore, it is not a bond because I think there's just like this is in new school, old school. It's like it's it's super fan versus not right. Like it's that's what it is. Yeah. Other than that, though, I mean, make us someone where we were like, all we've been saying all season is like, but what about those first four episodes? Because it just sort of uh, took out the air from any discussion of him being the winner. Yeah. It just has like a sort of he is really Andrea ing it. I yeah. Think. Big character who's kind of in trouble at times, probably going soon. Yeah. Like, I feel like a realistic option here is it's going to be Michelle. Uh, Nick survives. He uh, it plays a way to get on Michelle. And then she uses her thing. And actually, you know what? I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Nick wins immunity. He has done well in these challenges so far. Um, Kim and, did say he was a challenge beast. Yeah, Kim said he's a challenge beast. So they've realized that. And they're drawing attention to it. Maybe Nick wins immunity. Michelle uh, flips immunity. Um, and... <laughs> That causes, that's what causes the impetus of the lions eating each other. Mm -hmm. That would actually make a ton of sense. That'd be wild though. But yeah, either way, I don't, I don't think Nick's super long for this game. Like he'll leave the next like couple rounds. I kind of don't think it's next, but I also kind of didn't think I like, I didn't think it would be this uh, regimented. Sure. I guess though you could just as easily see Nick goes and then Michelle flips immunity and that's what cracks the lions. Exactly. Yeah. Either way, I think that coin's probably doing it and maybe Nick wins immunity, maybe doesn't, but I don't know if he has much of a bigger role than that necessarily. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's Nick. Yep. That brings us to Sarah, uh, who I think, and again, I think, (laughs) I think I said this a couple times, probably the main event of this, uh, of this show um really has emerged like again we've talked about it a couple times over the last couple weeks i think it's very clear she's one of the greatest survivor players of all time it's not even close and this episode to me was everything i needed from sarah's edit to come out like the past couple weeks it's been building this one was so good like i said Sarah being the Karate Kid or uh, Simba or whoever to uh, Tony's Mr. Miyagi or uh, Rafiki, uh, probably Rafiki more with building the ladder and all kind of I goofy think, stuff. I feel like I see him as more of a Mufasa, but that's just me. Ooh, that could be <laughs> it. That could be it. That could be it. Yeah. It, so the difference there being for people who haven't seen The Lion King, uh, Mufasa dying quite early. Um <laughs> I mean, that's not a bad take. Well, because they're all lions is more. <laughs> oh, and like, I don't know. It doesn't make sense for Tony to be a monkey. <laughs> Tony's obviously a monkey. If you're going to put him as like a. But he's a lion. He's like him and Rafiki have the same energy. They they radiate the same color. I don't think there is a Rafiki. Rafiki literally speaks llama at one point in The Lion King. Like this, he's, <laughs> Rafiki is definitely Tony. But I, I get what you're saying. Um. <laughs> oh my god! Um, <laughs> but um that's the thing like so basically sarah gets one like i can't believe sarah freaking lucina is getting a confessional being like i just think you know the world you know maybe we all just need to be nicer to each other <laughs> like this girl stole a dude's wedding ring and like <laughs> threw it in the ocean <laughs> like and i mean preseason we talked about her like uh out of game beliefs and how that's a really interesting position for to give us for Sarah, I think, uh, given their political leanings and whatnot. But yeah, yeah, I think it re- reflects pretty positively if they're giving her that. Yeah, and I mean, she was directly tied to Yule stuff. Like, if in like, there's a lot of stuff in hindsight. You look back and you're like, am I just stupid for not thinking with Sarah this whole time? Like, that's how I'm kind of thinking. I'm not gonna lie, Joe. 
Um, like, I get. Go ahead and finish. Yeah, so like you get the Yule moment where Sarah gets to talk about uh, Jonathan Penner's thing. Obviously, it wasn't Yule's winter content. It wasn't his personal content. Sarah gets to reflect on that and be the like uh, straight man sort of, as in the person who doesn't know what it is gets to be like, "Whoa, I didn't know," and like look good in uh, by reflecting, like the Bill Murray, if you will. Um, it's very, very interesting that she continuously gets those roles. I think there's an even better point. Well, what do you want to say first? Well, I was just going to say how what these first two episodes of The Merge have showed me is that this season is really not caring about what happened before the pre-merge in terms of relationships and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so what then sticks out to me is that they spent so much time showing so many of Sarah's relationships. Because we do have that Yule moment. And then we also have the next three people to talk about how they all relate to sarah ben has a relationship with sarah um and it's just weird that they would build all those things up if when this merge so far has been all about not caring about pre-merge stuff yeah straight up like they abandoned so many threads the only ones that are consistent are sarah's Mm -hmm. like tony's and i mean all hers are still here i think is the big thing like none of it's gone by the wayside yeah her favorite person's tyson like Mm -hmm. like exactly there's so much of that here um she gets the she has at this point i would consider that everyone needs to be good to each other the most personal content we've got in the season right like that's pretty top i mean of people left that like Jules was more like rob's was more sure yeah it's pretty dang close to the most anyway Mm. um yeah it was like the whole giving nick the reward just felt like personal content mm-hmm. because even though everyone was sort of dogging her for it, you got this confessional from her. And we've talked about Michelle and Wendell's confessionals not necessarily reflecting the truth. But in this one, it really felt like Sarah was saying, I really did this genuinely because I wanted to. Yeah. And so, yeah, that felt really personal and emotional in the context of things. And it also, we know that we know that the winner, sorry, those editors love their winner to be someone who faces adversity and like overcomes it or like it's no secret tommy was for example last season like they mentioned over and over again if they lose he's probably going home unless he can mm-hmm. find a way to get out of it and they tease that so they you don't aren't like oh tommy definitely gets voted out at the, that round like maybe he survives but be scared for him and same with the uh that double tribal thing they did the same thing there like they they used wendell as the decoy boot so many times like they love that and this was maybe the best you could ever look as a decoy boot and like a super obvious not decoy boot. Like, I don't know if anyone went, went into tribal being like, oh, Sarah's dead. Mm-hmm. But it, it puts some fear on her where people are like, oh, she's such a threat. Like, remember, it's a chance for everybody to hype her up a little bit, gas her up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not fully aboard the Sarah train yet, but I could definitely see the path. Yeah. And I think it is more of a case where as people continue to falter a sarah will rise because i think this was a bad episode for about everyone except sarah maybe it just wasn't enough to make me be like oh sarah is definitely winning this i i got pretty dang close like i think she's my number one and i dropped my number one i eliminated my number one completely like this was a huge episode for me in terms of who's gonna win this thing and sarah shot up the rankings quite a lot to the and like really to the point that i was like oh my goodness i feel silly um mm-hmm. yeah I, she might be my number two though um and once we get to the other person i want to kind of debate that and i'll figure out exactly 
But I think another really strong point in her favor is we mentioned the relationships, right? Um, but it's not only that, like we like Kim and Tony have a bond. They talk to about each other in the pre-merge. The difference, or like uh, I'm trying to think, Michelle and Jeremy, right? Like they were good pals. It vanished mm-hmm. in the merge. They haven't really talked. Um, right. Denise, Jeremy, same thing. Like there's a lot of these kind of bonds that exist and the person's still there, but it hasn't been checked up on. Every mm-hmm. single one of Sarah's has been checked up on. Um, that really big scene that I keep mentioning with Tony, it was huge. Like, and it was Tony talking about Sarah and confessional, um, Sarah talking about Tony and confessional, um, them talking in like a profound way together and readjusting the behavior because of it. That's one huge thing. Um, Ben is like, people are saying me and Sarah are too close in that big moment. I mentioned with Adam, what was it about? It was about Ben's relationship with Sarah. Sarah gets a confessional about that too. Um, mm-hmm. The only one I guess is Tyson wasn't super brought up, but I don't think that's like if she got four relationship scenes in an episode, like in your face, like the right. other I- thing she literally like, how often is it that like the survivor so blatant on who's going like, Sarah's like, Adam wants to throw my name out. Let's see what happens when you throw my name out. You're going home, buddy. And he goes home. Like, mm-hmm. that was what she got in Game Change too. Yeah, which I think that's also been emphasized this season. With Sophie saying it, is it's not who you're with, it's who you want out. That's important. Mm-hmm. So Sarah getting that is really good for her game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely see it. That's the thing is to me, and like, again flashback to like the the first time i really considered tony was when sarah got a confessional being like i knew people would really really like tony um because he really does have a good heart and he cares a lot and like so much of that stuff is so consistent with sarah's story like the only thing that's not great for her is her premiere but it is the kind of sneaky premiere that i think they would be willing to give her like it is sarah lissina she is i don't think people want to like to admit it but is at this point a survivor icon like people view her as a very strong and good winner um yeah i think her her premiere is weirdly sort of making more sense if you think of her as a winner because it wasn't like she was invisible for one like she had the content about being with other like strong women i think um and then i think for someone who is obviously a big threat this late in the game and someone we know was not thought of highly before the season by her competitors like they had the opportunity to point her out as a gigantic threat and they didn't they just sort of let her slide by for a while before she was a big threat so i think i think that's better than i was thinking about it maybe like 10 minutes ago because yeah i think my big hang up with sarah is sort of the weak points where i said pre-merge it feels like we're trying to fit Sarah into a winner's edit instead of just seeing the natural one that is formed. Yeah. Which I guess is still happening with what I just said. But I don't know. It's more natural than maybe I'm thinking. And the other thing that I think is a good point is, so I I, I guess I have two adjacent points here. One, her oh, her start thing, like her, premi- her premiere, start thing, <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, her premiere was literally her being like, I'm the most recent female winner, so I do have to play a little low-key um, because I need to make sure that I'm not the one going home. Mm-hmm. She reinforces that she's the most recent female winner, where she comes from. Uh, that, And then we learn that Sandra, Tony, and her played together, right? Like, we do get enough filling there that it works. Yeah, we knew um, where she was. 
Yeah, exactly. And like we even said at the time, like this is good enough. It's just we need more. And I think now we do have the more. Mm -hmm. The other thing I think is relevant here, and this is depends how much you want to think about kind of how the history represents this season. It was like her premiere in Game Changers, in my opinion, was an abomination. It was literally like like a five, like one of the longest confessionals I can remember was her first (laughs) introduction. That was just like a giant essay about the game she's going to go on to play. That's when she says like, I'm the silent assassin. My social game's phenomenal. Uh, I only kind of screwed up in uh, my first game, but what I'm going to do, I'm going to be the secret assassin. So I'm going to hide in the shadows. And then when people don't expect it, I'm going to cut their throats. Um, Like, she literally got to explain like the most CP confessional of all time in that premiere. Mm-hmm. And then she really went low visibility because she like never went to tribal and then she picks up a ton at the merch. I think they would not do that again because like I thought in my opinion, she's one of the most obvious winners in history. Like, other than the invisibilities, but, like, it was because she just got dumped a bunch of content at the start. I think they would be will- not willing to do that again. Right. Hmm. That's a little bit more in the weeds, but, like, she was such a blatant winner in that season. I think there's a chance they try to kind of dial it back, or at least, honestly, give her a better story. Her story in Game Changer sucked. It was confusing and weird because she was not given content much, except for when it was shown that she's the greatest of all time and the best ever, and everyone loves her. Like, it was not well handled because she didn't have much pre-merge content this could be like an attempt to right the wrong yeah i mean obviously it's a better edit than game changer so far yeah so yeah that's my uh that's my take on sarah oh and the other thing i just the only named alliance in this entire game is cops are us uh-huh that's huge like the only one that if like you're half paying attention you'd be like wait where are the like i mentioned earlier like what are the like, factions and you kind of have like that amalgamation of Ben, Kim, Tony, Tyson group, but like it doesn't have a name. It's kind of confusing who's in it. It was never like no one ever said like these are the people. They just listed them off in a conversation on the beach. Mm-hmm. There's no confessional about it. Um, the only one that's really like an alliance alliance is Cops or Us. I think that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Even flashback to other ones like I24 is a huge alliance, right? Like they usually do have some sort of name attributed to them. I mean, you have Nick here and. We haven't seen a single Nick uh, named Alliance, so... He might be uh, walking that back a little bit. I do think he might be hesitant to name Alliances, to be fair. No, he said he was going to do it, so... Oh, yeah, you're right. He did. I'm disappointed. Or preseason. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's. I, I think that's also a big deal. Um, it speaks highly for both Sarah and Tony, I think. Mm-hmm. That brings us to Sophie. <sighs> Joe, I'm so mad at myself. Mm. <laughs> She's... Uh, <sighs> I feel one of us definitely needs to go first on this. <laughs> Me um, or you? Well, you dropped her off her list, and I'm keeping her at number one, so... Oh, really? (laughs) I think I will... I'll sort of sum up. I think, much in the same way Michelle had a perfect episode after she had a really bad episode, I think Sophie didn't have as bad an episode as Michelle did, and I could see her bouncing back from it in a similar way i think Uh. on top of that in the last episode sophie blatantly said it's okay to not be in every conversation and so i think there was this moment where you could have an under the sophie who i think was obviously still present like you saw her throughout the chaos of pre-tribal council you see our comfort adam which i think is important i'm not gonna lie I'm very, like, I questioned it. I was like, hmm. And I think it's something that could easily drop next episode. 
but I'm not ready to do it yet. I think it still still makes too much sense. I mean, obviously losing Adam is a huge blow. But like I said, this wasn't a good episode for anyone. I, I yeah, I I completely disagree. I I do see what you're saying. Like I don't I. And that's the thing. The problem, like I said, Michelle, she's she's my girl, Gabby. Sophie is Kara, straight up. Um, it, it, the exact same problems. This episode opened my eyes. Third eye opens. I'm like, she has no relationships. She has no relationships at all with anybody in the game. Anything approaching a relationship, uh, at, was Adam, who's gone. Um, Sarah, who like what a what a relationship that just dropped off the face of the earth. Sarah is now. So. They were talking to Tony and ben and like that's her main group now like sure she has the bond with sophie or with uh sarah and sophie is a thing it's way less of a thing than the other ones and she was literally like i put her invisible i know you don't use the invisible rating well i don't think she was invisible either so yeah she was probably utr1 but i feel like with the how much everybody else got i feel like she was noticeably the least visible um so i think that's an important thing we know nothing about her she hasn't mentioned south pacific um she has nothing resembling personal content or anything like it um also what's her story at this point she doesn't have one i think okay on the point of personal content i will say that if sophie's winning it is like explicitly devoid of personal content like that is something you sort of have to accept and i realize that is sort of in its own way branching from edgic no that's fair i think as we know it but i think i think it's a weirdly acceptable thing in this season where we haven't had a lot of personal content we were just talking about how sarah's content she's really nice and she has a good heart um so i think there's that her story i don't you're right there's no sort of continuous thread of a story per se but she's been present like as a character in a not like overbearing character way yeah i i agree with that I think what we're seeing is like to me at this point, I I'm now holding all that stuff that I held at the start of the game. And for a lot of this game is a very positive thing for her against her. The fact that she's the devil and then she's nothing. And then she gives the idol back and then there's no coherence to it. Yule leaving pre-merge. I was okay with that. Even with the merge episode, I thought it was good, but it needed to build. She's still like, I feel like if you asked a casual fan, they wouldn't be able to name her. That's bad. I think that what it is, is she's the Sarah Lucina in Game Changers. If Sarah Lucina doesn't win, she comes like, doesn't quite make it. Like, that's how I'm reading this is like, Sophie's way more impressive than we initially thought. But like, it's also weird that she's not a hyena. Like, that's very bizarre. How is she a lion? Like, no offense, Sophie, but you'd think she'd be one of the top candidates to be that. But Well, what do you what do you think about that? Because, like, is that good or bad? That she's, like, really sort of, at this point, divorced from lion-hyena discussion. Um, I think that her path to win would be... I think the problem is that it required... She's the insurgent leader, right? Like, the insurgency leader. Like, that would be the Sophie path, is... She grabs the hyenas, like the low profile people and surprises Tony. Like she takes out Tony um, and or Tyson or something like that. Like that's how I think Sophie's path needs to be. And I think we just lost the window to it. The numbers aren't there. Her story isn't clear enough there. I think they've built her up as a good player, but not to me crossing that extra bar. I think this episode last week, I said, this is going to be a really important week for Sophie. And they gave her nothing. Gives me so many Kara vibes, and I am ditching that train. I'm not falling for a Gabby again, mm. even though she's a Kara. But <laughs> um, I know it I even, it even falls to um, the same with 
Kara with Dan Rengring leaving and her not getting that much about it. Like she didn't, she didn't even mention you leaving like stuff like that is, I know we said it, it's a pass for Tony, like for Tommy, Tommy's a hundred times more developed at this point than Sophie is. Yeah. I, I will say the one thing is just looking at the chart and glossing over what actually happened in each episode. Her chart looks really spare. Like there's a lot more under the radars than I would think for Sophie. But there's also always this like inkling of that she's playing an under the radar game. Mm -hmm. So I kind of see that. Um, What else was I going to say? I think instead of her wrangling hyenas and being the insurgents, I think she is maybe who takes power once it's just lions. Or that's also possible. Quote unquote lions. Like I I do think that it's really weird that Sophie isn't isn't a hyena somehow, but like not attached to the lion theme really. Yeah. Cause if you're going for lower profile players, like is the best example not Sophie? <laughs> like one <laughs> yeah. like surprisingly at the end? Like you'd think whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm not ready to drop her yet. I feel I don't have her like last or something. Like I think she has right. some chance. It's just like she's probably solidly fourth and <laughs> huge distance between that and third, and a huge difference between third and second. I mean, sure. Yeah. Cause you're I right. Know. That that is the path for her to win. It's either wrangling the hyenas or once once it's no longer that she's the one who kind of like uh what we wanted from kellen to be able to rise and grab those navidi girls who weren't quite assigned a role to be able Mm -hmm. to do it i just think maybe her story is a little bit more like kellen than we'd want it to be um and i think that's i think i'm getting the vibe that she's a really strong player we're meant to take seriously um i just i realized there's no story here anymore her dropping off like she's like this whole time i've been like well it makes sense that because she does have more utrs than you'd think but also, she doesn't get content in those under the radar episodes. Like she talks about mm-hmm. Edge of Extinction being a prison and like that's fair. Peanut butter sticking us together and all that kind of stuff. Like she does get content in pretty much every episode. And there's definitely a tension to her. It's just, I mean, I can't flashback to all the Kara moments when she's like, I'm cold. Like, oh no, that was Lauren. But Kara had those moments too. Like those uh like the balance beam. Like, remember she uh subs in for Angelina and mm-hmm. All that kind yeah. of stuff, like those over-the-top focus on her, like that's what Sophie's thing's built on. It needs a second act, and that second act needed to start now. Honestly, it's a little preemptive because if she has an amazing episode next week, I could consider her again. I just I don't want to be like, oh, wait for next week again when I said that I needed it this week and it did come. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I'm hanging on. But I definitely can see it. And I think part of that is I'm not so high on the other, like, contender. That's fair. Considering. I guess the thing for me, the other thing I want to say is we were so high on Yule's four of him, Wendell, Nick, and Sophie. And, mm-hmm. and that was so contingent for me on her doing well. And it floundered. It's never been mentioned since, like, a lot of her threads just vanished. And she didn't get to comment on them vanishing. She has no relationship with Nick, as far as I can tell. That yeah, mm, these are these are a good point. Um, I will. I was thinking about Sarah and Sophie. If one of them leaves next episode, who is it better for? So like, is Sarah leaving for Sophie better than Sophie leaving for Sarah? Or I think Sophie leaving for Sarah or leaving is better for Sarah than vice versa. I had Sarah as my backup for Sophie, like. I for some weeks I had her on the chart. Some weeks I had her. If Sophie leaves early, put Sarah in instead. To me, this is the equivalent of like Sophie leaving. Hmm. I don't know what I 
I'm not sure what I feel on those two. I think Sarah leaving is better for Sophie. No. I think there's an <laughs> argument. Like, I, the weird thing is before we were kind of saying that Sophie, Sarah was kind of weirdly hiding behind Sophie. Sophie's vanished. Like, yeah. No yeah, longer I, the case. There are parts of me that want to say that Sarah is the Tommy to Sophie's Lauren. Yeah. But it's like still not completely flipped in threat level as it's being perceived. So I don't know. I think the problem is my second contender doesn't feel like someone I should have as my first right now. So <laughs> interesting. Okay. Interesting. Uh, so you want to move on? Yeah, let's just move on to Tony. Cool. I think so. I watched this episode and it came on a day where like other things were happening in the United States that were kind of uh, bummersome, if you will. So. Maybe I was just feeling generally sad, but I feel like sometimes I get like this sort of sadness after episodes and I realize things are probably not going to pan out the way I want them to. And I definitely felt that. So like out of that, I'm considering Tony just because so many other people see it and like that many people can't be wrong, right? So I'm basically joining a bandwagon, but like, I don't know. I still don't believe really. I just want to be right. (laughs) I just want to, that's funny. Um, to me, it's really dang close for me between Tony and Sarah. Um, and again, I basically replaced Sophie with Sarah. Like all my other uh, criticism of everything is basically still the case. I just, to me, this killed Sophie. Um, the thing this episode, I don't want Tony to win. This would be the most boring, bland, lame way to edit Tony winning. Because, again, this man has literally had the same confessional like 15 times. Probably more like eight, but like. That's still a really high number. Two is a really high number, but uh, <laughs> for repeating yourself. But I, so I hope it's not because I think he deserves better. But why else would you like neutralize his entertainment value like this? I'm thinking back and like you pick a random episode of Kagi on like some tribal council. He just blows up and he's like, I'm a construction worker. Like sometimes uh, survivors like being a construction worker. Sometimes uh, you can't find your tools. And so you play and they're like, what are you talking about? Like, or the llama noises, like some of those single episodes in like, honestly, almost all those single episodes. Like I think back to the cliff boot, how good that was him wanting to throw the challenge to get rid of cliff. Cause he wanted to be the alpha male. Um, stuff like that was so fun. Like random episodes in Kageon were so fun. And this one it's, Oh, remember the time he made the ladder, which was awesome. But then like, what else? He has nothing else. Um, like, remember the time he said the lion is going to stick together or the other and episode? There's where the said, chaos of the spy shack, which has yeah. been my sticking point. And I think that's the big thing now is there's sort of up until the spy shack, I started getting it. And then there's like before the up until the merge. It's like that patch doesn't currently make sense with Tony winning to me. Yeah. So, yeah. It's just like this fuzzy spot. And yeah, we it, still have that line that's like. Tony's one guy before Tribal and a completely different person at Tribal, which paid no dividends at all, right? Like, other than the Spy Shack, he's been super boring. Like, And I think maybe the realization I'm having is that winners have these fuzzy spots that don't make sense to me, and they sometimes still win. And I think that's where I hate it, because it doesn't make sense, and I don't want to see it. Like, Tony's really been entertaining enough to me. Like, he has got boring, but, like, I don't get the logic in that post-swap period of Tony. Honestly, Joe, I think what it might be is I think the path for if Tony wins, 
this is the boring part of the arc. Like, I really think that what we're seeing is maybe this is like, this is the filler chapters where it's mm-hmm. the lions and the hyenas and he really, that's his priority right now. But yeah. once, once that part's done, maybe he is like a Ben Dreebergen style winner. You know what I mean? Like maybe he is loud in your face, crazy Tony for the second half of the game. I mean, just have no content about it other than the ladder and in the spy shack. Cause the rest of the time he was pretty normal. But then he's a f- crazy man. Like, I think that's with people like Tony, that's possible. Mm-hmm. And the real Tony comes out, I think is very possible. The problem is that's volatile. Um, I do think, though, that Cops Are Us is this is the season of Cops Are Us. I really, really do think that. Um, I just whether it's so or sorry, Sarah or Tony, it's so hard to know. Like, is it the is does Mr. Miyagi win or does the trainee win? Who's. <laughs> really has no right to be a trainee like um it's so hard to say and that's that's my problem with tony i feel like sarah or tony as our winner i can't figure out which one um my gun to my head it's sarah because i think her story's better but tony's is more consistent it's just not one i like like i would be happy with the sarah in here i'd be like mm-hmm. really like say the finale's tomorrow i'd be disappointed that this is how they show tony winning like tony vlaco's being a two-time winner should not be him boringly talk about lines and hyenas over and over again yeah i think that's a big thing is that if he's winning he's literally sort of like hammered the same strategy for like eight straight episodes yep and that not only is that boring it just doesn't read like a winner to me like winners have clearly defined strategies but it's not like (laughs) like the same thing over and over like a rule you play your game by almost yeah no that's the thing like anyone but me or i don't know about that or like meat shields like sure jeremy talked a lot about meat shields but not like in the same way the mm-hmm. same like like i don't know that's my that's my problem and for it's sure. like um another thing is there's this strategy that you can sort of persist for two more episodes but what happens when it's eight lions like i feel like i don't know the like yeah after of that yeah it's just it doesn't add up and i'm i'm constantly shocked that so many other people are seeing it so strongly and believing in it but i also am starting to see it myself and i i hate it but so joe i guess my the follow-up question that to me is why it's convincing is okay so say tony does not win he come he's voted out next week right mm-hmm. why is that his story would they not just do more of the fun stuff like to me the only explanation for why he has like like again boring tony still charismatic and interesting and like as like a standard survivor player but that's not who tony is tony is quite exceptional he's been described as a unicorn before um he's not a unicorn in this season he's a more entertaining than average survivor player who's playing optimally but we see signs that he probably isn't that way because jeremy says things like he's a completely different person on tribal days kim's like yeah what the heck's wrong with this guy like he's clearly playing crazier than he is like i don't know he must be with the way that people are talking we're not seeing it do they hate good tv is he crossing ethical boundaries like i i don't know what the <laughs> like that's the thing like unless it's that like i don't see why they're not showing it other than oh they thought that's a bad look for the best winner of all time the champion of champions etc yeah yeah, I do think that makes sense. It's just then, why show it once? <laughs> like, why yeah. dip into the, why dip your toe into the pool one time? Yeah, you're and, right. Like, it's a bizarre. really bad time. So. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It is bizarre. It's just mm. to me. I'm like either. I guess there's three. There's three scenarios, right? One, 
Tony is boring on this season. Old man Tony, he got he, he calmed down. The money changed him. That's the pop. <laughs> that's an option, right? Um, option two, they're hiding it um, because they just I don't know. They decide he does poorly and. Maybe he's important to the theme of the season, but he doesn't win. So they kind of want him in that Mufasa role, right? Like Mm -hmm. um, that would actually make sense. Um, The third is they just think it's a bad luck to uh, show him super crazy, but also know that if they don't, people are going to be like, why is Tony boring now? So they throw in like the latter scene in episode three and they throw in um, the spy shack randomly one episode. Like that seems not out of the realm of possibility. Like, Mm. I think it's also maybe an issue of where they've had time to show things. Like for the last few episodes, I don't feel like they've had yeah. time to show Tony in a way that is also like not the worst. I don't know. Yeah. I guess the other thing I think is relevant. So obviously this episode made me jump for Sarah. I think like part of me felt bad about that because she got dunked on in this episode by Tony. Like he said, Sarah, you made a horrible mistake. All winners at some point are faced with moments like this. And the the ones who win are the ones who don't make the heartfelt decision. Like that could be a more important theme than we're thinking. And if so, Tony was just put over Sarah. And for me, as seeing them dominating this game. And like, again, that's that line of um, the barbaric survivor player you have to become in order to win. Like it's a hard and cruel world out there. You have to be willing to do anything. <laughs> Maybe that is what it is. Like, you have to be battle tested. You have to be, like, put your war paint on. And that's why Tony is not as exciting. Because this is, let's get down to business, Tony. Hmm. I don't, I don't know. I do want to talk about this episode, though. (laughs) We sort of been all over on edit. But I think you could see this as a good episode for Tony. But then maybe in a bit of cynicism on my part, my question was, like, why you have this very clear ability to frame it as a win for Tony with getting a hyena out. Why sort of throw all this chaos in the way? Uh, I don't know. I I guess it's also sort of the driving force of it. I don't know. It doesn't feel like it could have been as much of a win for Tony. Like, it wasn't as much of a win for Tony as it should have been. I don't think I agree. Mostly because... Uh, Tony did get that um, honored confessional of the one right after the challenge when he's like, things mm-hmm. are going to get crazy. We need to just make sure um, one of the hyenas goes and the camera zooms in on Adam. That's fair. And he also has his like tribal council speech yeah. to Adam, which is sort of that's the thing is there. And, mm-hmm. and I, if this is a partnership between Sarah and Tony, Sarah kind of gets this one. You know what I mean? Like why? Cause she's the decoy boot. Um, the other thing that I think maybe is really good for Tony, um, you mentioned all the chaos, right? Tony was barely in it. Mm-hmm. Like Tyson's the one who gets the confessional talking about the craziness he's going to cost. And uh, Ben's in it. And Jeremy's in it in a big way. Kim's in it in a big way. Denise is in a big way. You see Tony in that thing like once. And it's like him literally going up and being like, it's the one with Ben when he's like, <laughs> people Ben's like ah people's like, Adam said that you're coming after me and Tony's like oh that's ridiculous and they, that's about it he mm-hmm. pretty much is not in that this is Tony you'd think if it's really that chaotic and it's really that crazy don't you think Tony would probably be reacting poorly or something I feel like he probably was if it was that chaotic we just didn't see it mm-hmm. that's a positive we saw him being cool calm and collected with Sarah we saw and coaching her and we saw him say what he wants and then yada yada, yada crazy people it happens. I think it's. I think it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I definitely see it. I just don't want it to happen. <laughs> That's kind of where I am too. I do think I don't know. To me, it's a, it's a it's a war between Sarah and Sophie, but or Sarah and uh, Tony, <laughs> which brings us to Tyson. I think this is an interesting one because all season we've been like, wow, Tyson's so good. He's gonna do well. Um, has longevity. And I don't know about you, but it feels like it kind of like um like when it's kind of a whimper yeah he's taking a back seat we were mentioning the forfeit this battle to win the war story and i was like tyson like who like oh yeah he was in this episode like Mm -hmm. very quiet but still like i don't know it's always i think sort of a shock especially with these quiet episodes to go from sarah sophie and tony to tyson right now because he's not fitting into those same stories. Yeah. And like, I, I feel like I can see him winning, but it's not talking about the same things that the last three people are. Yes. Like, he just needs something where he like gets into it and then I'll see it. Yeah, I think Tyson honestly needs the story to go in a completely different way than I'm expecting. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it needs to be Ben leaves next or something. Like, he caught, he grabs Denise, Jeremy, and Michelle and gets out Ben or Tony or something. Like, because you're right. The themes that he hits a lot of these themes in opposite ways to our other contenders. Like, mm-hmm. that's something um again it's one of those like if we're wrong it's about all the themes it's probably tyson um but i mean the themes i think are right and he he does fit them it's just like he's not super into the lines and hyenas thing he is a lot into the deception thing right like the um he's found out that if you just kind of say names to people people forget about you um he does have that like ghost of the um old school players positivity Mm -hmm. going on he has the actual personal content yes Exactly. He feels like a traditional survivor winner. And that's so out of place on this season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was, he was, I will say, second on my list. But like, I would drop on Sophie, but then I have Tyson as number one. And it's just, like, it doesn't feel wrong, but it's not something I think people are really sort of discussing. Or like, seeing the path to. So, (sighs) I also I feel know. like he goes far, though. That's the other thing. Like, Well, it's interesting to think about him in contrast to Rick Devins, who returned at the merge. Like, very different. Rick Devins was just gigantic yeah. in the merge of Edge of Extinction, whereas Tyson is very clearly in a backseat role. And it's not like... He was big in the merge episode, to be fair, but... Eh. Big-ish. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's not, like, under the radar by any means, but he's certainly never, like, a big player in any of this, I feel, yeah. so far. And I think that's what I need is some sort of acknowledgement of what he's doing or what he's planning forward. Because I do think he sort of feels like the he could be the best candidate for sort of, if I don't believe that it's Tony with his lions and hyenas hitting us over the head strap, like Tyson has this sort of angle that he could play. He just needs to like do it so I can Mm -hmm. see it and he's not doing it yet. So, and in a lot of ways, like he's the one who, I mean, I think Sarah gets a lot of credit for it being Adam. I think Tyson might leave with the most where he's like, Adam has literally snuck through people's cracks like five times. Um, If he has the ability to just like kind of, clap and then everyone reluctantly agrees he's probably a bigger threat than people realize Mm -hmm. Tyson gets to say that right like he does get this good content it feels weirdly hollow like that's the problem um and like not future that said i do think his merge episode read as in he's lasting a long time Mm -hmm. so i'm honestly starting to think that maybe my initial read of edge of extinction was wrong and these people are not like 
Because all season I've been like, well, no, it, you'd be crazy to think that Edge of Extinction wouldn't vote for the Edge of Extinction people because it invalidates their own experience, blah, 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 all that stuff we've talked about. Maybe maybe he just has no shot because he got voted out. And they're just never going to vote for somebody who got voted out. Like Tyson, the losing finalist, or like Finale Boot isn't crazy to me. Or maybe even double double think, I guess. Um, he's a Finale Boot. The reason he's voted out is they're like, they take the smartly the lesson from edge of extinction like well you'd be stupid to bring somebody from the edge to the end and so he that's why he gets voted out like it's kind of what i'm seeing mm-hmm. but he's got a weird edit because he feels from a different season yeah yeah it feels so conventional but it's it's weirdly out of step with everyone else which was tommy kind of at this point too like tommy wasn't lining up with things really well but he well, had uh... to be fair that was more he fit most of the themes he just noticeably dodged one of the big ones sure the biggest one he just uh it was uh kind of written out of but Mm -hmm. i think that was for pretty blatant reasons yeah i don't know like i feel like it's obvious that they're giving him like what you said like he feels just like a little out of step i think that's intentional because he has that ghost of the old people thing um the thing is i see him as a very important player that goes far that doesn't win like he's our fallen angel i think him and michelle to me are jostling for that position he feels weirdly too positive to be a fallen angel <laughs> it sounds so stupid but like michelle feels like the right level of positive like whereas like it's r- truly tragic to see tyson lose mm-hmm. given what he's talked to us about <sighs> you're right like i don't know he's a weird one i think you're right that there's a weirdness that him and rick devins have been shown very differently like tyson's never gotten even close to negative right like mm-hmm. just, like what a chill dude he's so great he loves yeah. his family he's a dad he uses comedy to hide his deep insecurities what a great guy like he looks pretty much perfect um yeah i think that's something weird about tyson is he has the ability to not necessarily like go not necessarily and on the chart negative but like snarky Mm -hmm. and i mean we've seen like funny tyson but not like snarky almost mean tyson yeah uh, i think maybe i'll stand by tyson as my number one (gasps) i i like the pick to be honest i I think he's in it like i think he is in it with a chance i just this was just like a meager episode like it wasn't fantastic it was fine right and to me it's just i feel like two people had a really great episode and then Sophie and Tyson kind of fell. He, I put him on my chart, though. Like, he, he is number three. Yeah, I feel like this episode is just... It is not obvious. It's, like, opened up the door for me to, like, anyone who I thought had a chance and considering them all again. Because oh, I, yeah. I really don't know. And that brings us to... <sighs> Good night, sweet prince. Goodbye, Adam. Um, Goodbye, Adam. He was so fun in this episode, too. What a guy. Yeah, you can just tell, like, he truly loves the game. Like, truly the super duper fan. We all knew he was. Um, a I lot of people are... Was, or sorry, this uh, season was very authentic to who he is. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are speculating that he knew, or he was thinking about the idol because of the twist from Survivor South Africa. Oh, absolutely. Uh, which, that's kind of fun. Um, which, if you haven't seen... Like I, th- it is Survivor South Africa six is my favorite season of Survivor. I think it was the best season of Survivor ever. Go watch it. Go in blind. It's awesome. It I should have like, been an idol. Like a ten second clip of it on Twitter tonight. So I don't quite understand it, but I yeah. <laughs> it is uh, everything I want Survivor to be, and except for the, the the song they use and the challenge editing editing is bizarre. Other than that, it's perfect. Hmm. Um. Yeah. Adam was great. 
better than I think we could have ever imagined Adam would be on this cast of like stars. Like he also Adam... seemed out of his mind, like straight up out of his mind in this episode. Mm-hmm. Like there's that I, I I said this in the opening of this podcast when I think I forget who it is. It's Denise, Adam, and somebody else. And Adam's literally just like, of course, 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 of course. <laughs> it's like literally like an insane man is standing there just like <laughs> rambling around like so weird. Um, They seem to be so sick of this guy, like <laughs> probably partly out of game, seem a lot out of personality. Um, But that's what I love about Adam is like him, his eyes being wet last week. Like I'm scared. Like he just like passion exudes off this guy Mm -hmm. in a way that is both fantastic tv but also like you kind of low-key hate him but like it's such a delightful feeling that's hard to thread that needle of like like oh my god he's annoying but also thank you for caring right i feel like it was very nice to watch him for 40 minutes a week so that i could understand why he was awful for 24 hours a day yes that's (laughs) it yeah no like I think this did a good job of, like, I think Millennials for Gen X also does a pretty good job, for the most part, of explaining, mm-hmm. like, this was his problem there, too, is he's not super slick. He's, like, uh, sort of awkward, and there's definitely moments like that um, where he overplays, stuff like that, too. Um, but they did a great job of showing how annoyed people were with him. His confessionals were great, like... He really gave it everything too. Like mm-hmm. all his confessionals were like, they felt like he really thought about how they would be on TV. Yeah. Like the playing with fire confessional. So good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He clearly has like a theatricality too. Mm-hmm. He, he knows what's going to be shown and from like little stuff to like acting how he would watch himself or like his pen about the edge. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, am I like crazy or like maybe returning? Oh yeah. No, I think he's on the, he's on the possibility. I think. I mean, we have to see what comes from... Exactly. Like, you need that part, but, like, (laughs) as far as, like, gun to my head people to come back, he's one of the higher ones, I think. I still like our pick of Michelle from last week, but... I don't know. I don't don't see that as much, but... It really, like, really what is happening here is I don't know where this season goes next episode or, like, (laughs) after the final eight. Like, I've really been thrown off, so... Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm interested to see what Adam gets on the edge. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope him and Rob can kind of bicker. Like Adam's yeah. the one you're right that has the the possibility, the edge to be really salty with these people. Like that's mm-hmm. my hope. Um, if not, like he's still great. Um, yeah. I wish I was thinking that Ben would end up there with him. I hope this isn't the end of that <laughs> feud because it's so great. Yeah, that's kind of the true tragedy is we not only lost Adam, but like we'll not get Adam versus Ben, which is another thing I wouldn't necessarily expected from this season. So I don't think of them as very similar. And I mean, I guess they technically aren't, but they sure wanted to be. Well, Ben wanted it to be <laughs> like, I think that's one thing they did really, really great in this season is show in small ways how much Ben wanted to work with Adam. Like, Ben was like, I need him to maneuver. He said that in multiple episodes. Like how like Adam knows this game. I need him. Um, Denise being like, hey, uh, me and Ben found an idol. And Adam being like, are you kidding me? I do not <laughs> want to work with Ben. Like they really did an amazing job with that story of those mm-hmm. two, that relationship um, where Adam just w- hated him for no reason. Like, I mean, <laughs> he maybe there was reasons and he was annoying or whatever, but like 
it seemed like Ben earnestly wanted to work with him the entire game. Mm-hmm. Adam had none of that. Like Adam did not at any point want to work with Ben, wanted to vote him out. Like, right. So I don't know. Adam's great. I agree. I, I, I think you're right. He could come back. I'd put him above most of the people there. Honestly, we'll see if he comes back. That means he can still be a losing finalist to Sophie. And uh, of, course, of, course, of course, of course, of course, of course, of course, of course, he could be a losing <laughs> finalist. Of course. <laughs> that's one of the weirdest scenes I've ever seen, by the way, on TV, like of anything, because they're still talking. Like there's literally a conversation happening as Adam's saying, of course, of course, over and over again, <laughs> over top of the audio. Like you literally have to sit there and be like, what are they saying? All I can hear is, of course, it's it, he's like the Riddler gone insane in a Batman comic. Like it's very bizarre, um, <laughs> but y- you get what you get. Um, mm-hmm. the next time on, I thought the only interesting thing about it was Kim, Kim saying that she's going to make a move to go to the edge. Oh no, I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, if that happens, that explains her edit. I guess is the only thing I forgot to mention. Um, yeah, that is very true. I forgot, I forgot about that. And yeah, I'm very scared and granted, I do think it was masked as like, she's willing to make a big move, but like, I feel like that read very ironic <laughs> like mm-hmm. so that's uh that's something um i can't remember anything else in the next time on that was they're gonna split up sarah and sophie oh right yeah <laughs> so i'll believe that when i see it <laughs> um they're really honestly you have to give them hats like a like a comment like uh props for how they're able to use those next time ons to like warp the footage in bizarre ways mm-hmm. for sure like weren't we supposed to see um nick and sarah go at it this episode i mean we kind of did like a tiny bit like you could see the pieces yeah yeah but it's effectively out of context she did something really nice for him and he didn't appreciate it like but he didn't oh that is true (laughs) he wasn't mad about it he was like Hmm. yeah that doesn't make me trust her anymore Mm -hmm. it's not like he's like i want her out now like you know yeah they're, they're tricky so who's going home next week joe uh nick nick yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna flip that and just say kim somehow kim somehow votes herself out no (laughs) that's purely on the next time on though like game wise i would think it's nick but to be unique i think i think kim somehow votes herself out i feel like that's she has an idol like that would be the most supportive listen after sandra's when i'm like there's no way Sandra doesn't get voted out, but also somehow she has an idol, so I'm going to pick somebody else. I'm picking Kim. She, like, was smiling at the tribal council. She was like, yeah, I could get myself, too. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait, this is my prediction. Kim goes to Denise. She's like, hey, uh, you just got Adam's fire token. I have an idol. <laughs> if you vote Tony and i give you this idol um, you give me the fire token sounds good and then uh, of course she prop of course of course she probably gets I, I think it's in the realm of possibility maybe i don't i, I don't know i don't know if i i don't know what the big move would be that she's that willing to die for but i don't know yeah. maybe she has to sneak into the edge of extinction camp. Ooh. Oh, that's that'd be really clever editing. If so, it's like to get the idol, you have to swim over. They have established this close, so mm-hmm. oh, mm. I've made it pretty clear. My list is number one, Sarah, number two, Tony, uh, number three, Tyson. Um, significant departure after that. I, I wish I could make it clear. I'm back up to five, so <laughs> Ooh. Um, let's go number one, Tyson, um, number two, Sarah, number three, Sophie. 
We did a lot of convincing this episode. Uh, four, Michelle. Five, Tony. That's good. Oh, but I should have Tony higher, but I don't want to. What new prediction? What dumb thing are they going to have to do on Edge of Extinction next week? Uh, weren't they definite? Like, they were in the next time on, right? Uh, I don't know. Man, um, I can never remember that thing. They I say have... they're going to do a flashback to Survivor Amazon uh, and do a fishing challenge for a fire token. The most fishy catch, you get a fire token. They have a bucket of water and they can't spill it. And anyone who doesn't spill their bucket by night gets a fire token. <laughs> and what's the advantage? The advantage that they can sell is... Oh, um... What's a dumb one that hasn't been up yet? Because we have a... St- the other thing I guess I, I forgot to mention, like... If you just look at how many idols and crap are in this uh, game right now, it's kind of insane. Like, Sarah has that steal a vote. Um, mm-hmm. Jeremy has that hide from tribal thing. Kim has an idol. So, who else has an idol? Yeah, isn't there another idol? There? There's got, I think there is another idol. Sophie has an idol. Yes, Sophie has an idol. Um, Michelle has her flip a coin. Like, it's, it's getting uh, getting heavy in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, may, maybe they sell another idol nullifier. I don't know. <laughs> maybe they get the empty parchment from last season. The Jamal guy. Mm-hmm. That could be it. Yeah, it's it's something you've never seen before on Survivor. Yeah. Except when we saw those pencils during the advantage menu for Edge of Extinction. Yeah, they did have pencils. So. Ever see a pencil on Survivor? Yeah, like four of them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's the end of our show. You can email us at thewinneredit at gmail.com. Read all your emails. Um, sometimes we'll read them on the show uh, like we did earlier in this episode. Uh, new episodes on Saturdays or Sundays, sometimes Fridays. Um, we post them on our Survivor, our Edric, um, also on SoundCloud. If you're not subscribed, if you're listening to this on SoundCloud, just from that link every week, we are on all major podcast catchers. So um, subscribe uh, is probably easier to listen to. Yeah, and then uh, you can way. listen to another podcast too. Like keep listening to ours, but like yeah. branch out. There's a million out there for all your interests. Yeah, I I recommend the Slash Filmcast. It's very good. Um, there's no real movies to review anymore, but it's still pretty good. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Danny Kills Bees. You can follow Joe on Twitter at Jay Chapman Nine Thousand. Sayonara. See you next week.